It is as I feared. Um, I just, I'm waiting right now. I'm waiting for the other screen to start. So when I start talking into my ear, I can immediately hit pause. Just bear with me for a second, ladies and gentlemen. Here it comes. Yeah, you guys can't hear it, but it's already running an ad in my. How does Google know I'm not going to curse? How does Google know I'm not going to call for the ethnic cleansing and cleansing of all the non-white, non-penied people? It immediately runs an ad for. It's, oh, they're such hypocrites! And then after we we call for the cleansing of different ethnic groups, then then Google. Oh, hey, we can't run ads on it, but maybe we'll still run ads anyway. When you be able for every action um, of hypocrisy, the actor executing that hypocritical action exposes by necessity, by logical necessity, a flank. There's an opening. <clears throat> and so I'm thinking like with YouTube where they say, this isn't monetizable, but then they run ads on it anyway. Couldn't you then go to the advertisers and say, look, See, Google just wants to get their advertising, give me that, and then not pay you. That's what they're trying to show. So then couldn't you go directly say, hey, I saw an ad of your thing. You could even you could gaslight yourself. I don't know. What's the correct term? You youths with your, with your words. Where let's say I, I run the, uh, the ethnic cleansing hour with Cappy Cap, and we call to erase the Mexican race because Atham is already. Atham, go to bed, man. Go to sleep. Atham isn't is. so. Let's say we wish to wipe out all those dirty, no good Atham Mexicans in the world, and I advocate that on my on my podcast. And then Google, oh, that's not monetizable. We can't monetize that. Oh, naughty, naughty, wanting to kill entire groups of people. Who knew? Uh, but then they run ads on it anyway. Would you not be able then to go to the people running the ads? Like, say, there's an ad for uh, I don't know GM. Couldn't you go to GM with the video say, dude, look what you're advertising. And then we could actually get YouTube's revenue down. Don't I've had it's happened to me before. I've seen now, of course, some people might say, what's the timing and this. I, I, I truly don't care. I truly don't care if YouTube is, is being hypocritical or lying. I don't care. We are not going to monetize that, but then we're going to sell it anyways. And make fine. Uh, you know what? Fine. You're the monopoly. You're really the only gig in town. The day is going to come, we'll all have to jump ship and go someplace else. But it, And I don't have time to be emailing Google's support team. <laughs> oh, man. it's. I wonder if it's going to happen like the uh, down the road because there's constant improvement, continual improvement in the business world. That was something we had to learn in business school. Yeah, there's constant improvement. You never settle down. You never take it. Always constantly improving. Forget that we built this whole new... Tear it down! It's not efficient. We need to improve upon it, even though we've only built it five seconds ago. But very similar to other business industries, the one that comes to mind now is beer. Let's just take beer as an example. Basically, the beer industry was three main brewers saying, fuck you, here's your piss. Here's your carbonated piss. It's yellow. What's the joke? What is fornicating in a canoe and light beer have in common? They're both fucking close to water. <laughs> uh, that, that was an industry where here's a crappy product. You could email Budweiser. Sure, you could contact Miller. 
but they weren't gonna here's your crappy berry and then all of a sudden the micro brews started coming in and then all of a sudden the big oh my god now we want to make different types of beer and we'll tailor it and then they just ended up buying out these specialist brews i wonder that's going to happen to google like this completely removed no you can't talk to us at a, and people are going to want a more personal touch you know Oh, we all want to, we, we had, here's another example. Here's another example of the revolution or the evolution. In the olden evil days of America, when GDP was growing at 6% and there was no government debt and people supported themselves and welfare, there was no single moms. <laughs> you would have the town store. Everything was walkable. You would go to town. It'd be a little town and there'd be the, the supper club and then there'd be the church and then there'd be uh, <clears throat> the gas station and then there'd be the bar and then there'd be the grocer and there'd be the mercantile store and you could all walk there. Now, maybe if you were a farmer, you had to drive in a little bit, but everything was located in a little town. There was walkability. No, now we all have to commute to the city. We have to spew tons of carbon emission into the environment. We have to sit and, and destroy families through commute so we can all commute to the, to the sacred skyscrapers in the sky. Uh, and then we all have to go to Walmart and malls. So now we're driving all over. Now what's the latest thing? Walkability. I really would like walkability. I just want walkability. You know, it's just so nice. Just like, will you fucking white people make up your goddamn minds? They can't. They can't. We want this. No, we want that. No, we want what we had before. And YouTube, I wonder if it's going to be the same thing. Hey, we're kind of this cool niche two guys, entrepreneur, bought up by large corporation. Stone cold, like talking to the Borg, just not going to happen. Talking to incels and virgin towels about how to improve their life. It's never going to register. No one's going to pay attention. They're not going to take action. But then the day's going to come where constant improvement comes in. It's hey, you know what? To make YouTube have a more friendly face, let's have actual people pick up the fucking phone. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it is the older brother podcast. We're kind of a little off schedule because I had to do my uh, my cleaning house Clary podcast, and um, I'm cleaning up that. I'm fine. We're we're getting back to a normal fucking schedule. It's really fucking nice. Things are going back to normal. You'll be in the middle of the throes of just like all this shit hitting you at once and you won't realize it. You're like, why is there no time in the day? And then all of a sudden that all goes away. And then you look back, you're like, oh yeah, that all was happening at the same time. And now I can take, I even played <clears throat> Call of Duty World War II. Finished that just now. Even had time like, yeah, finish the video game it was nice it was real nice but then i have to do this we have to do it so we're we're going to do the older brother podcast even though it's friday and then starting tuesday again we'll probably get our buddy chad elkins uh that's if he's not too busy you know he's a new man now he's he's better than us he's he's off to bigger and better things he's he's got a lot of he he's he i won't mention what but he's he's an international man of mystery now oh yes oh yes Chad, no more cuddle welcomes for him. He'll forget the small people. He'll forget the little people. Just be me and Atham on the internet now exchanging our racial jokes between one another. <laughs> Although I think we've taken to small penis jokes now more recently in our exchanges. Um, but uh, yeah, so Chad hopefully will be, if he is, if he is, if he's not, that's all right. I did talk to DT today. He's still busy. He has the hunker bunker set up, so we'll get him in. And everything will be back to normal. Everything will be fine after three months of hell. 
and that's all. Uh, Call of Duty. Um, I had heard about it, and it was one of those things that <clears throat> was not important, but it's still stuck in my mind. Uh, playing Call of Duty World War II. Um, and I was I I tried playing Red Dead Redemption too. Oh my God, you can't. We'll talk about Red Dead Redemption. Then we'll go into Call of Duty. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, I know I'm old boomer technology here. Um, dude, that's been over like, uh, hang on. Did I get them? I think I got them. Dude, like, uh, that's been like out for a year. It's like, yeah, I don't get around to buying games. I'm not really in a rush to fork over $70 for a new AAA game now that pretty much all AAA games suck. And kind of like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and then Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it, it wasn't that bad of a collapse <clears throat> or decrease from the quality from Red Dead Redemption to Red Dead Redemption 2, but it was pretty close. Um, if you have played Red Dead Redemption, but not Red Dead Redemption 2, and those of you who played Red Dead Redemption 2 probably know where I'm going with this, but you are not free. That's the one thing about Red Dead Redemption is you were free. You could do this. You could do that. You could go to different towns and play different poker games or whatever. You could get drunk. You could get in fights. You could rob things. You could not rob things. And unless you, like, shot somebody in front of the sheriff, you were pretty okay. You're allowed to be kind of violent. It was also pretty clear who the bad guys were, who the bad guys weren't. So if you want to avoid the law and play lawful good or whatever you want to call it, you could do it. Red Dead Redemption 2? Oh, no. Oh, no. You are not free, my sir. No. Did you want to go run around and just randomly shoot animal in game? Nope, you can't do that because I shot a goat, a fucking goat. There's a freaking goat. I'm riding in the middle of the freaking prairie. There's nothing out there. There's no farm. There's nobody around. There's nothing. There. And there's a goat. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen a goat before. Oh, I can get a goat pelt. Maybe there's some value in this goat. Besides, why not? I'm out here hunting. I'm going to shoot this goat. Should I shoot the goat? And I didn't kill anyone. I shoot it again. And then there's two guys. They're on their horses. They're just standing there looking. And then as if I murdered a bus of, of nuns and preschool children, they rear their horses up and turn off. And all of a sudden, in red letters, ding, animal cruelty. <laughs> and that's about where I said, fuck this game. I'm done. Because that's not the first time this has happened. If you violate the law and there's a witness around for 100 miles, they immediately report you to the cops. And whereas in the first Red Dead Redemption, I mean, you really had to murder someone. You had to do something really bad, not shoot a goat. But now, like, you run into uh, a horse while you're on your horse and somebody else is on their horse. Oh, that's assault. And then, ding, assault. Um, some drunk guy comes up to me even starts a fight and I shoot him, you know, murder. And now the cops are after me. Now I lose my popularity, all this. And it, it really was like, if, if there was a nagging wife in the form of a video game, it would be Red Dead Redemption 2. You just can't do shit without getting in trouble. And then people have talked about the, the chore play. The boar play, chore play. And I'm not talking like, oh, it's a play on foreplay. See, because all the men, if they do chores, it makes me wet, which it doesn't. No, you actually, like for the first, I estimate third, because I'm not going to play it all the way through. You're running chores. You're bailing hay. You're working up money to go raise funds to build a nicer tent. It, it's all this petty, oh, we need, we need a newer uh, 
what is it? Wagon, so we have better medicine. Oh, go out and get all the, a little bit, a little bit of the, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, World of Warcraft. Collect five of these, two of those, and get the sword. Now, to get the sword, you got to go collect eight of those, ten of those, and then come back here. I'll give you the rock. Now, with the rock, you can add it to the sword, but we need the glue. To get the glue, you got to kill five, 15 widgets and, and 14 hukamas, whatever a hukama is. Yakama, yakama. Uh, and you're just running errands. That's all the game ended up becoming is running errands. And then yet you, you got you got all these nannies, you got SJWs, all these do-gooders looking over you. When you just do it, can I just go wander around in the wild west and shoot shit like John Marston? Oh no, no, you can't. You can't. And so I I stopped playing that. And I'm just like, you know what? I just want a straight up shoot, first person shooter. But a buddy of mine and I had played online Call of Duty World War II. I'm like, okay, look, the controls are standard. Standard Call of Duty, World War II, this is not going to fail. How can this possibly fail? Oh, they fail. They try. They, they still manage to fail. But they, they honey-dick you. They honey-dick you. You start playing like, <clears throat> okay, yeah, here we are. We're landing on the beach. All right, I'm getting my ass kicked. Okay, fine. Oh, okay, okay, get the Bangalore up there. I've played this before. I've seen it before. I've watched the movie and played the games. And uh, everything's great. But then all of a sudden, you got to sneak around. You got to sneak around a little bit, you know, a little bit too much. All right. I guess there's espionage. I'm playing the female French spy agent. All right. All right. They're only going to do that once. And then the cutscenes are a little long. I'm like, okay, all right. All right. They're playing or they're establishing characters. All right. This will end and go a little bit. Further. Oh, no, no, no. See, it's a movie. See, you didn't buy a game, Aaron. You bought a movie. You bought a movie. Every once in a while, you press a button, but you see, you are forced to sit through five-minute cutscenes. And, oh, God, guys, it was horrible. It was just horrible. And this is why I looked it up, because it, it's not – it wasn't real. It was not Aaron. It's a video game. It's not going to be real like the war. Yeah, but, I mean, there's one scene where there's like this – first, you find these German citizens in the basement of some former Reichstag type of building. And you've occupied the building. You've scurried out the Germans. And there's all these civilians down in the basement. And I'm like, sir, we got to take him with us. It's like, no, 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 no. You really wouldn't do that because they'd be in more danger. And you put your entire platoon in danger. And what would be best is that when, if the Germans are going to come and reoccupy this Reichstag or whatever, uh, and they weren't discovered, these, these civilians weren't discovered the first time, maybe just stay in the basement, keep your head down and don't make no noise. Oh no, some moron, some, some, I don't know, girl or effeminate guy who, who writes the video game scripts. Oh, we got to save these civilians, which you would never do. And I thought it was bad enough. Oh, go get the truck. Now drive the truck around to the entrance. Okay, now get the people on the truck. And so you got all the refugees getting on a truck. And then there's a gal. She's like, Yelsa, Yelsa. Ilsa, it's Ilsa. And they're like, dude, I don't speak English. I mean, where is Ilsa? <clears throat> oh, her little sister's left in the in the building. All right, you got two minutes to go get her. Oh, no. What happened? Because that's what I want to do. So they, they managed to get it, see, to provide suspense. Because you didn't want to play a World War II shoot 'em up, right? You didn't want to like just mindlessly unplug for what? No, you want to go chase after a little two-year-old girl in a building. 
so they make it for suspense. Understand, this is very suspenseful. They make it so uh, through other cutscenes, you lose all your weapons. <clears throat> you fall down the stairs back in the basement where the girl is, and then you got to play hide and seek because that's what I wanted to do playing a World War II video game was hide and seek, find the fucking girl before the Nazis come down and get you because they're reoccupying the building. And so you're going down, you're looking, you know, Elsa, Elsa, because that's what I wanted to do. You find her, you carry her. Oh, here come the Nazis with flashlights. And now I get to sneak around with a little kid and play avoid the Nazis with flashlights. And then, then the screen, the cut screens got longer. And they were so schmoey, so, so painful. Um, it, it's just bad writing. The main hero, he's a Texas farm boy. I can't wait to get back to my girl. Oh, man. And then uh, there's the, hey, oh, the Brooklyn guy, hey, even though he sounds like John Travolta and he really didn't talk like this, but I'm from Queens. And uh, let's see a picture. Oh, baby, boom. Uh, there's a Jewish guy who's actually integral to that. And he, that, that uh, character was actually written pretty well. <clears throat> well, well, well. Uh but then I just got to get back to my hall, oh, the, the Texas dope, the te the good old American Texas dope. I remember Pa saying, do -da -do -da -do -da -da. Johnson, you can't go over there. Johnson, we got to save Johnson. No, we don't. Johnson's dead uh, and the enemy's over there and um, we'll get his body later. <laughs> He's alive. I know you. And then, then you then you finish the, the board, you finish that section. And then, and then you go to the next mission. And you're like, oh God, don't, don't, don't talk, don't talk, don't give me a monologue. Sure enough. Well, we had captured the bridge at Rom again, but Hitler was still shooting at us. By gum, that funny mustache wearing fella gotta be taken down. <laughs> uh, back in Houston, we'd go a dog and shoot him and take him down. Where well, we're gonna do the same to that German dog. <laughs> hitting every fucking button please is there a way to skip over this no and then i find out why then i find out why because i recall this gets back to the thing that stuck in my head somebody pointed out that a lot of playwrights screenwrites writers you know people like me authors except they suck that's why they're playwrights <clears throat> if they can't make it writing a movie like they can't get their script sold at hollywood what they'll do is they'll go and they'll write for video games and when that person told me i forget who it was maybe i read it somewhere i don't know but to whoever it was that came up with that observation hat tip to you that was a brilliant observation because it's so fucking true where you could it's not good writing it's horrible writing it's it's this is the b movies Video games are the modern day B or C movies. Even DT probably wouldn't like a lot of. He likes horrible movies like flops. And I and I, I was starkly reminded of this watching this. Like, dude, I just want to play a fucking video game. I just want to play a video game. So I did a little research. I found a real interesting article here. Uh, and there's one statement in here that is just, it's so telling. It is so telling of the mentality of younger people today, but especially artists and writers. So this is written by Ken Miyamoto uh, at screencraft.org. Title is, So You Want to Write for Video Games. 
Many screenwriters dream of writing the scripts for video games and reaping the profits of an industry that is far more profitable than the film and television industries that screenwriters are striving to break into today. But there's more than meets the eye when it comes to being a game writer. Being a game writer seems like an ideal job for many screenwriters that are gamers in their spare time. In an age where gaming technology appears to be making amazing breakthroughs with every release and where a single video game's revenue outmatches the latest box office theatrical blockbuster by unbelievable amounts, it's only natural that screenwriters writers want to jump on that bandwagon. According to Global Games Market Report in 2016, the worldwide video game industry generated a revenue of $99.6 billion. Hollywood only managed to rake in just $36 billion in that same year. Grand Theft Auto V, the ultimate video game breaking record, made $815 million on its first day of... Re- Whoa! <clears throat> that is... That's a lot. I'm used to seeing all these movie figures. Um, I guess it is telling that more people are playing video games than watching movies. That's not a typo. It's first day of release. Some of the biggest summer blockbusters and movie theaters take three months or more to make that amount worldwide if they're lucky. Okay, where do I sign up? This is where it gets tricky and a little depressing for some. All right, now, <laughs> this is a subtitle. This is a sub. This is the number one bit of advice that the author of this article, and he's right, but look at how condemning it is of people who want to break into screenwriting in the video game industry and, and realize what it says about them. This is the subtitle. Bold font. You don't write an original script for a game and sell it on spec. Many screenwriters have the fantasy of writing a brilliant screenplay that is perfect for video game interpretation. They think they can make it to the big video game companies, make their pitch as they would with any Hollywood studio or production company, sell it, and then collaborate with game developers to make the next big hit. That's just not how it works. Let's start. Stop right here. <clears throat> Do you see the myopicness, the hubris, the arrogance, and just the constant me, 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 me of this generation and the type of people who become screenwriters and artists in general? I mean, you really want to think of the mentality of the world, uh, of the artist. It's fuck the world. The world should bend to my will. You actually, he, I, I, he didn't come up with this. Uh, out of a vacuum apparently this is the number one problem this is the number one mistake screenwriters do is like i have an idea and i want to write a video and it's this it's this this epic saga of a a political science major turned screenwriter because it's always about themselves it's always about themselves who tries to break into the video game industry to write video games, but here's a twist in the plot. And well, you, you IT people, you programmers, you game developers and software engineers, you figure out that stuff. But here it is. Here's my vision, my dream. Now you, electronic arts, you go do what I want you to do. Players, who gives a shit about players? This is my brilliant work. Everybody will love it. They'll want to play the role of me. I mean, uh, uh, another person that totally isn't me. Who, who's a political science major turned video game screenwriter? If if it isn't if it isn't uh, a, a condemnation or criticism or a trait, you could accuse pretty much all liberal arts, all humanity majors of the world should bend to what I want it to do. But this is so flagrant. This is so uh, in your face. <laughs> the the, sc- the screenwriters don't realize that no. You don't come up with a story and then they build a video game around it. You come up with a game that sounds fun. That Now, here's, here's the foreign concept for you video game screenwriters. 
that gamers want to play. See, those are the ones that are giving you the money. I know you're fuzzy on where does money come from. It comes from your parents. It comes from the government. It doesn't actually come from you working or providing good service or values that other people will willingly give you money for. No, it just comes out of the sky for most of you people. Uh, the gamers, the ones who are going to spend that $815 million on the first day that Grand Theft Auto V came out, they're the ones that pay. They're the ones that determine what the game will be. It's then the video game company to come up with another Mario Kart, a Legend of Zelda, uh, a Red Dead Redemption, uh, whatever game it is. That, that's what that's up to them. And then if there is room at all, I don't know if you noticed that, but in, in all the Mario video games, there's no talking. It's just woohoo. And then boink and whatever else happens on Mario Kart. Woohoo! Um, they don't talk because it's not about you. It's not about a script. It's not about a movie. It's not about a story. It's about having fun and playing a game. But like I said, the left, and this is not necessarily political, it's not politics, but the left is always trying to get the head of the penis inside the ass just to probe, just to start it. And with this amount of success that screenwriters got, they got way too much leeway in the video. They had way too much presence in Call of Duty World War II. And I, I'm sure there's other video games. Maybe you guys in the chat room know about them. Uh, but you did not control your screenwriters. There was way too much shitty dialogue, unnecessary dialogue, and painful dialogue. I understand... Like, you want to see a perfect example of uh, the optimal amount of writing and dialogue in a video game? Battlefield Bad Company and Battlefield Bad Company 2. It's just the right amount. There's a little skit, there's a little bit of funny joke, and a little... I think his name was Joe. Hey, new guy. It's a, they call you new guy. They don't give you a name. Hey, new guy. <laughs> How long do you think he'll last? Oh, not as long as the old new guy. Um, that's about the right amount. But this, somebody must have had an in. Somebody must have had a, a, a favor to call where I am going to let little Billy write about Bubba from Texas to his heart's content. And we're going to have about 20% uh, cutscenes and 80% game. And it was shit. It was shit. But here it is. You see it. They, they're trying to force. They're trying to. It's it's a lot like uh, all the affirmative action world uh, where we got to get women into. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, are you going to work? Or are you going to bring your version or your not anchored in reality dream of work where you talk and you have biscotti? What was it? Um <clears throat> Was it San Jose State? Here's an example. San Jose State ran by women. Um, there's an article. Not to keep wick, uh, picking on this. Um, there was an article. Maybe it wasn't San Jose State. I'm pretty sure it was because that's the same one where the woman serves as a prostitute on the side because she's not paid enough as. Um, <clears throat> she's not paid enough to live. She has to live in her car. No, that's the one who lives in her car. The other ones are. Uh, God, I can't find it. I should have looked it up beforehand. 
but it was all about, well, we want to have a sensitivity room and the dean has a, a safe space next to our play and we all want to have consensus and there's really no leaders. That are, oh, fucking Christ. That's not an entity of education now, is it? It's not an institution of anything. That's just a, 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 an academic incarnation of the view. And it was the same thing with this damn video game. Same thing with the video game. Forget the video game players. It's just, I want to express myself and discuss it. And that's what's going to happen. That's what they're, they're making the inroads. And everything suffers. I don't know if the same thing happened to Red Dead Redemption 2. I think that was just, <clears throat> we have the perfect video game. How do you improve on perfect? You don't. Just, just release the same thing with different characters in, in a different time, in a different town, okay? Maybe add some more animals. Maybe add some more guns. Please don't fuck with the... Ah, oh, you fucked with the formula. Hey, John Marston, you want to go bail some hay? Yeah, that's exactly what John Marston wants to do. I'm one of my one of my fictional heroes, John Marston. I know he wants to go and bail hay. Oh, you got to deliver the mail into town because Peggy Sue has a boyfriend back out east. Okay, there, Mr. Camp Director. I'll go ride my horse. Five minutes to get to the local town. I I guess if you followed it logically, if you go from actual murder and the cops coming after you in Red Dead Redemption to Red Dead Redemption 2 where you shoot a goat and it's animal cruelty and the cops are coming for you. Red Dead Redemption 3 is going to probably have Me Too levels of, of criminality where if you look at a girl the wrong way, say, howdy, ma'am, John Marston would, would get arrested. The cops would come, sexual assault, sexual abuse running from the cops. Oh, let's go to super chats discussion room. Anyway, so yeah, Call of Duty guys, don't don't I play it. And when the cutscenes start, go go take a piss, go something, go and you'll hear back, you know, while you're in the bathroom here. Well, then Jebediah had said, "No, Jebediah, don't go chasing after that bear." But that's how I had to kill that Nazi. He was a bear. Atham for two dollars was uh was up Atham, <clears throat> Xanatos Clutch more like World of Chore Crap. Yes, there we go. Am I right? <laughs> oh, good. All right, we're 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 uh, settled with the super chats. Go through the gamer writer doesn't sell their concept and watch game designers bring their vision to life through beautiful visuals and interactive gameplay. Project directors are the one that run the show. You're not the boss, little millennial pussy. The person who started the company is. And they're often the ones with the concept who are in charge of building the conceptual designs and gameplay with the team of designers. The game writer usually comes into play quite later in the process, generally speaking. Video games aren't like movies. They don't start with screenwriter and a screenplay. They begin with project directors and game designers as well as a belly of other technical, technical professionals. Game scripts are nothing like average screenplay. They're technical documents with hundreds of pages of visual descriptions, flowcharts, branching dialogue, cutscenes. So what do game writers actually write? If you're a screenwriter trying to break into the video game industry as a game writer, you need to understand that everything you know about screenwriting format structure care is null and void. And for the most part, yes, you will utilize the ideals of story arcs, character arcs, and journal story structure, but any game story is secondary to the actual gameplay of the title being developed. But they have to be the center of the world. They write flowcharts. I don't know. 
But screenwriters do have a plan. I want to see what the comments are, if anything. <clears throat> is he is uh, Ben getting yelled at? Stop dreaming of my dreams, man. Follow Ken at Ken Movies. How many followers does he have? I hope he has a lot. No, he doesn't. Ken Miyamoto. He looks white. No, oh, he's from Wisconsin. All right, there we go. And he's my age. He's part Japanese. He looks white as hell. Doesn't really matter. Uh, oh, where are we now? I lost my spot. Lost my spot. Give me a second here, guys. Yeah, Bacon's not here. I don't know where Bacon went. He might actually be sleeping too. Bear with me. Um, I caught up with Asshole Consulting today, too. That was a good feeling. Oh, Seth. All right, here. Seth, I'm online now. Hang on. I wanted to have Seth come in. I knew there was something I was missing. I'm going to send him the, the linkage. He published a book. I want him on. And then that way, I can nail two chores. In one shot. And I can go buy a driver. Got to get a new driver. My other drivers are shit. Like, it's not the drivers, it's you. No, it actually is the drivers, because when I go to the Southern Command, my game is really good. I got these drivers over at Goodwill. Oh, wait, they're behind me. You can see them back there. <clears throat> and they're kind of crap. And if you're not, if your ball isn't going the right way, golf does not become fun or relaxing. It becomes incredibly frustrating and angry. Forgot about the time difference. Let me go do that. No, I'm online now, Seth. Seth, why aren't you tuning in? Why are you not tuning in? God almighty, this may be... Guys, We may. I may just be able to go home. This may be one and done. Bada boom, bada bing. We're out of here. There really wasn't much to do. Uh, let's go to my... Cats, here we are. Here's the article I wanted to. I know everything. All of a sudden, cats. Cats. That was just on, on the Twitter. Oh, my God. I woke up at 7.30 this morning. Cats. It's the first thing you do when you wake up. Grab your phone. What the fuck is going on? Oh, shit. Same crap. Different day. And I knew cats was kind of, Was it cat shit? Came out in 81. 81 was like the last hurrah of that 70s culture. Everything was brown. Everyone had a lot of hair. Reagan came in. People got haircuts. The economy grew again. Who knew? Baby boomers stopped doing pot. Oh, shit, man. Like, we got kids. Oh, well. Jobs. I mean, jobs. We're going to watch Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong is kind of like the, the baby boomers when they were high. They thought that was fucking fine art. Just like you idiots thought that Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen was, was high art. And now, now that you're older, you're like, oh, yeah, man. We're just a little high and drunk. <laughs> But cats came out in 81. I remember cat. Nobody liked cats. The only people that like cats are people that would like cats. And not the cool people like cats, but weirdos. Hang on. No, Adam, I'm <clears throat> I got I got the notification in my ears in case someone texts. Uh so I'm kind of surprised that everyone is like, oh my god, cats suck. And uh, so this is on Breitbart News. A Nolte Cats trailer hit with worst backlash in Hollywood history. Really? Is it the worst backlash? Hang on. Let me let me throw pull this up on YouTube. Let's see how bad it is. 
Um, it's only got a, it's only got three hundred four thousand views, and it's eh, sixty five thirty five, sixty forty hates to likes. People don't like it. Uh, I don't even want to watch the trailer because cats suck to begin with. Why were you, why were people thinking cats was going to be good? I mean, you have to be mentally ill to go see cats. It was all <clears throat> the baby. Oh, cats rent anything, uh, Broadway. I'm not, it's, uh, but cats uh, in all the decades I've been watching movie business. Never before have I seen such an overwhelming negative backlash to a movie trailer. In fact, I've never seen anything close to unified revulsion towards the upcoming musical cats. What the F? The movie, which is scheduled for release this Christmas, is directed by the King's Speech Oscar winner Tom Hooper. Is based on Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1981 Broadway smash of the same time. The stage production currently ranks as the fourth longest running Broadway show in history, nearly 7,500 performances. It was successfully revived in 2016 for 563 performances. Um... Bada, bada, bada. I don't know anything. Let's look it up. What is cats? What's the plot? Cats play. And Wikipedia. Isn't this the original furries? I mean, does it does it just throw you off a little bit? Cats is a sung through musical composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Is he a pedophile? Does he look normal? No, he does not. He does not look normal. That is not a man I would have babysit my uh, children. Based on Old Possum's book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot, the musical tells the story of a tribe of cats called the Jellicles. And the night they made the Jellicle choice, deciding which cat will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new life. What in God's Baby boomers, guys. This is baby boomer culture. Can I just get the plot, production, history, critical receptions, award, poems? I, I, I guess it's, in, it's irrelevant what the plot is. The plot sucks. You have to appreciate the softer forms of it. Shut up. Yeah, so I don't know why that was... Upsetting so many people. <clears throat> All right, let's get to the. I need my podcast notes. There we go. It's not going to be a great podcast. I'll just tell you that. Um. Oh, here we go. This is what I want to talk. I had to do a little research for this one. <clears throat> From the Department of the Fathers could not be reached for comment. Police in North Carolina are searching for two people who forced their way into a Monroe home last Friday morning, killing a mother of five who died protecting her children. Monroe police confirmed Lucero Sosa Capote was killed from a gunshot wound inside a resident just inches from her children. Two of the children sustained minor injuries in the altercation, police state. Police confirmed she died trying to protect her children from the two intruders. The men who fled the home after the fatal shooting are described as one black male, one white male, who were both wearing gray jogging pants. Black male was wearing a black hoodie and the white male a green hoodie. Both subjects were wearing some type of cover over the faces during the incident and were heard demanding money. You're going after a single mom of five demanding, unless she owed you money. I know this may shock some of you people. 
a single mom of five from multiple fathers. That, and Aaron, you don't know. Yes, we do. Yes, we, we could just assume. That's what's great about presumption is you're usually right. Uh, maybe she borrowed money from him. Maybe there's drugs involved. I don't know. But now you got innocent kids getting shot at. Uh, Lucero's son, Leonardo Sosa, said she was the best mom and recalled her final words. The last word she said to me, where I love you, said the 12-year-old. It was wrong for someone to do that to my own mother. I always told her I'd say that me and my dad would always protect her. Well, it may, now I'm wondering if the dad is around. I highly doubt it. Lucero's brother, I feel bad for the kids. I just feel bad for the kids. Uh, Lucero's brother said she was gorgeous. Now she's a oh, generous, a oh, generous, okay. Religious woman who adored her kids. No one ever complained about her. She was always so nice, so sweet. No, I don't. Okay, Lucero's brother, Jason, so she was always so happy. Okay, all right. The kid, they're kids. They don't know. Shit like this doesn't happen. This is why I always say, uh, don't fuck up. In both, I, I think in three books, Bachelor Pad Economics, Black Man's Got Out of Poverty, and some other one. The, the whole thing is like, just don't fuck up. That's the main difference between people who are successful and then people who are poor or have problems. Is you, It's not that you made a lot of money. <clears throat> it's that you just didn't fuck up. You don't get people showing up at your place blasting holes at you. If there wasn't something, they, they painted this also one site. They painted it as like, oh, no, everything said she was just going to church. And they're always a good person. And, and, and now you got kids in danger. All of her kids, all her five kids are all under the age of 13. So I looked up what her age was. She's 29, which means 26, which means fornicating at 15. This isn't right. You took the mother of five kids. It's not right. Sosa said you didn't have to do that. Please said No fathers, plural mentioned. Kids not without a mom. I'm sure they will all grow up to become NASA engineers and scientists. I'm just tired. What are the views? Is it just, oh my God, a true hero. God bless my prayers. I get so overwhelmed with guilt when I hear someone dies in a home invasion. I survived mine. It was messed up. Yeah, that's true. Um, looks like you're missing quite a few details. It's me find a story that has additional information and more pictures. All right, let's see what this is. Somebody <clears throat> got a little bit more. Too broken, da, 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 and demanded money. And here's the poor kids. Gunshot wound inches away. Son Leonardo, da da da. Da 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 da. Never ever complain. Two of them were injured. No picture of a father around. Five kids. I'm just trying to get more. Capote's husband, Rafael Vegas. All right. There he was. I stand corrected. See a phone call to break in. That was only shoes three times. See, we have to go here to where's the where is the picture of the father? Why is the father not mentioned? Trying to look for my we don't got my family as their grandparents. Sent to the grandparents, but traumatized to stay there. Yeah, this isn't good. Funeral. All right, that's more information from Baj.com. Hat tip to them. Not good. I still don't. It's not. I just don't believe it's random. I just don't believe. It. Look, if you have kids when you're a teenager, out of wedlock, 
usually there's other bad shit happening. And while we don't want anyone getting killed and blah, 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 if we want to prevent future things like this, don't fuck up. Stay out of trouble. All right. Berkeley manhole. Yeah, do we want to talk about this? Can you tell I just want to go get my day on? I don't know what else to say about this, but, you know, honk, honk. Berkeley votes to rename manholes gender-neutral maintenance holes. What it, it says it already. Why do you only read the, the headline? Well, do I need to read more? Do I, do I need your, your expert analysis, uh, Mr. Adam Brinklow? Uh, Berkeley City Council voted Tuesday to amend its municipal po- code to excise gender-specific terms in favor of general-neutral ones. I told you, the left will keep going. There's an optimal level of law, but the left doesn't care. It's more important they look like they're doing things and to say, I did some, must do something. So they can point to it on the resume. And they don't, and that is more important to them than invading your personal life or looking like they're absolutely insane or just wasting time. Or maybe what they really ought to do is like, you know, we kind of got the optimal level of law. Let's just meet once every two years now, like they do in Texas. Or if there's like a crisis or emergency that needs us to reconvene, we'll do that, you know, an emergency reconvenience. But now we have maintenance hole. Passed unanimously on the first reading. All right, that one's done. Is this one? Oh, this was sent to me by Tim. We're going to have Tim on next week. Let's go to Super Chats real quick, see if there's anything left. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. No Super Chats, wonderful. From a study at Carnegie Mellon University. Study shows hiring managers view overqualified job seekers as lacking commitment. I remember this, like when the recessions, recessions, the plural, the recessions I've lived through. Um, every And pretty much everyone's overqualified now. You're all required to get college jobs. Again, I've never had a job that required more than an eighth grade education. Uh, so everybody's overqualified. And so then when a recession would hit, you're like, God, I got to get money. I got to get a job. And you'd go and say, I'd like to work here. And they'd refuse you because they'd say, oh, well, I don't know if you'd stay. You just go and get promoted, which always confused me. It's like, well, if I'm overqualified and I want to work for your company at this low rank job, then presumably the job's going to get done better. You're not going to have the turnover. And then maybe you'd groom me for like management or supervisory role. Maybe, huh? Oh God, we don't want a really great fighter pilot flying this commercial plane. You're overqualified. Job seekers who apply for positions in which they appear overly capable may be putting themselves at a disadvantage with hiring managers, according to new research from Carnegie Mellon's University's Tepper School of Business. Unless they are women, <laughs> I'm not. It says unless they are women, in which case being overqualified can be helpful. 
Managers tend to perceive that overqualified candidates lack commitment to the position and to the company as a whole, so they may bypass that candidate in favor of someone with less experience at Oliver Hall, assistant professor of organizational theory and strategy. Hall co-authored the research Too Good to Hire, Capability and Inferences about Commitment in Labor Markets, along with fellow Tepper colleague Jerry Guau, Roman Galperns of Hopkins University, and Adina Sterling from Stanford University. How would you like to go have a beer with those guys, huh? Huh? We are riot. So it was published in Administrative Science Quarterly. Hiring managers tend to be pretty myopic about hiring for a particular job instead of hiring for the organization. Generally, there we go. For once, I agree with professors, Hall said. They can't really know what the applicant's commitment might be, so they're going to be right on some and wrong on others. Turnover does increase somewhat among employees who feel overqualified, but other research shows that it is often because the person becomes disenchanted with the job, Hall pointed out. Well, yeah, you're going... They still might add value to their organization at a higher level, but if they never get their foot in the door, the hiring manager ultimately could be turning away talent that benefits the company. Why well, You are expecting businessmen to have foresight, and they don't have that. He indicated that demographics of, job seeker, of the job seeker also influence the pattern. Women in particular, those in child-rearing years, might be seen as having commitment problems. Don't you think? Although I guess most gals today just ship those damn kids off to daycare. I don't know why that's a... In those cases, being overqualified can work in their favor because it overcomes the hiring manager's perception bias. Let me think this through again. An overqualified woman applies for a job, but if she's in her child-rearing years, not necessarily with children... That doesn't make any logical sense. In a sense, it kind of counteracts. There's, she's going to have commitment issues because she might have kids. But then she's overqualified. Well, wouldn't that make you doubly suspicious of her that she'd run off and not have, she wouldn't work. She'd have kids and leave. And then if she's overqualified, she'd leave. I don't know how these counteract each other. He indicated that demographics of the job seeker also influenced the pattern. Women, particularly those in child-rearing years, might be seen as having commitment problems, okay? In those cases, being overqualified could work in their favor because it overcomes... Oh, you know what? I bet you it's because they look at her and they say, okay, you're going to have kids anyway, so you're going to settle for any kind of job? Is that the logic or the line of reasoning? I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing. And a tech company is more likely to hire a young person than an older one, even one with C-level experience, because the older applicant may not be able to write code or doesn't fit the profile of the ideal applicant. <clears throat> but the company could be missing out on important strategic contributions from the older candidate, Hall added. Yeah, I, you're, you're expecting way too much of, one, if you're looking at underqualified positions, low-ranked jobs, your supervisors are not that much, you know, you're not dealing with Einsteins of the world either. They're not going to think more than their little fiefdom in domain. I need more people on the machine. Bob, do you want to come work? Oh, yeah. And forget that Bob's a mechanic for those exact type of machines. It could be a great uh, uh, asset to the company as a whole. All he knows is, I need Bob on the machine. Especially you younger kids out there, just because your boss is older, and by older, I mean like 25 or 20, even 30, even 40. Even for it doesn't matter. Does not matter. It doesn't mean they're smarter. 
Applicants can help their cause somewhat by suppressing qualifications so they don't hit the capability ceiling. But in hiring platforms such as LinkedIn, that strategy could backfire by filtering out higher end jobs. The person's qual- wait till we're in a recession to worry about this stuff. Oh, I'm so happy I'm not working anymore. A real job, anyway. Ooh, lost it. He suggested applicants communicate their commitment levels more directly in cover letters and interviews. Oh, do you know how long it's been since I've had to write a cover letter? Do you know how nice it is not writing a suck-up letter? Dear somebody who didn't give us our name that we still have to apply with a cover letter, here's my fucking resume that your software is going to go through and you're really not going to read. So why am I wasting my time with this? Go fuck yourself kindly, Aaron Glary. For example, if they have a personal motive for wanting to join a company or they have deep interest in the industry service product, they could tell a story about that connection. Oh, this fucking dance. Why do you want to work? Because you're going to fucking pay me, you dumb quantahaha. Why do you want to work here? Because you paid. I don't want to work here. I don't want your freaking job. I want to be a billionaire where I never have to do this ever fucking again job. I want a job so I can eat and not starve and, and not sleep out in the cold. I want to pay food, clothing, and rent. I want money. Are you paying? That, that green stuff that you give out, that's why I want the job. I want me some of that. Well, you see, yeah, that's not, you have to play the game. You have to act like I don't know that. I bet you. I bet you. For those of you, just try it, guys. Just try humor me. For those of you graduating from high school, college, whatever you're, you're, or anyone seeking a job, if anyone, just try the deadpan Aaron Clary asshole consulting job interviewing approach. Were you just bluntfully truthful? Why do you want to work here? Because you're going to pay me. <laughs> you could add it. Well, you're nearby. I can walk here. Um, and you're going to pay me and I can do the job. That's really why I want to work here. It's nothing about, you know, the, the Johnson corporation. I really don't care. I, you know, as long as you pay me money at, that's pretty much and healthcare insurance. That's why I'm here. It's monetary really truthfully. What are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? I, you know what? I, I can do the job. That's my strength. The weaknesses. I, I don't like work. Nobody likes work, but that's why you guys would pay me. So aside from naturally human nature to be lazy and not want to do this, I will overcome it with the help and assistance of your financial recompense. I have always wanted to work with plants. Since I was a little boy, I liked the color green. And I realized, oh my God, plants have the color green. Can I work at this, you know, this uh, landscape company? Hall said those stories can provide the hiring manager a reason to take someone who might otherwise feel like a flight risk. God, do I have do I have to butter people up like this? Do we have to do this uh, this masturbation, this foreplay bullshit? What if the world was just we all clarried the fuck up? Why are you wanting here? Because of money. Oh, okay, cool. You're hired. All right. You fuck up, you're fired. All right, cool. Hey, you did good. You're promoted. Thanks. What's the promotion? Eh, it's 2%. That's not enough. That's not even inflation. Give me a moment. Oh, go fuck yourself. Okay, I'll find another job. Oh, wait, hang on. All right, here's 10%. We're just joking. Uh, I know how the game is played. You know how much more efficient that would be? We wouldn't have a national debt. We, would have a, we wouldn't have a deficit. We'd have a surplus. We'd be no national. We'd be like, dude, what do we do with all this fucking money? We're so efficient. We're not playing these games. Like, okay, so we're going to talk about me too and diversity. 
and we're going to have sensitivity training, and then we're going to have Tina, and here's a safe space. And da, da, da. In Aaron Clary world, what we would do is like, is that the safe space? Everybody wants to use the safe space, go into the safe space. All right, cool. Hey, I improved the company and society. All right, let's get productivity and profits back up top. That wasn't nice. Turning to networks in the job search instead of platforms also helps overqualified applicants. Oh, the network. Someone vouching for you that you're interested in this job helps overcome that commitment concern as well. He added, this is now they're just throring shit. Really? Common sense. We need to die. We need five doctorates to figure this out for us, guys. Hull said companies could help their cause by encouraging hiring managers to think more generally. Look. After what can we say at least 60 years of fortune and ink and business management schools, you can get actual degrees in this shit now and articles and publications and, and, and Jack Welsh books and management fads and all this. Do we even need to have these articles anymore? Really? I should call my friends to see if they have a job that's open. Really? I should tell the HR Kuantahaha a touchy feely story that applies that 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 tugs at her heartstrings and not her fucking brain. That's that's what I oh I should maybe not tell them I have my doctorate in computer engineering if I'm applying for Best Buy. Do we need really? Do we need these articles anymore? Do we? I appreciate the new, I, like, if they actually pull academic research, oh, we have numbers, and yeah, this is it. Oh, okay, it confirms something we already know. Hey, what was the, hang on, hang on. Where was it? Where was it? The National Coalition for Men. Come on, come on, it was here somewhere. Give me a bit. Give me a bit, guys. It was here. Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. He's a tart and he's a spurg. Look out. Here comes the Cockerberg. Give me a second. This is it, it's it's another perfect example of an article where you're telling us what we already need to know. Please, Mark, just load up the shit. Just load up the shit. Where have all the children gone that are... Here we go, from the Atlantic, from the department of we didn't need a study to answer that. From one, when one person on a date is just there for the free food. I wonder which person it is, the Atlantic, Joe Pinsker. Which, which person is it? I wonder who it is. I mean, if it's dinner, I'm not going to say no so that I don't have to go home and cook. Magali Trejo Martinez, hyphenated name, a 22-year-old living in Salem, Oregon, recently went on a date that was rather uninspiring. I had dinner, had a couple margaritas, and then went home. Is how she recapped the evening. This outcome wasn't entirely surprising. She says she wasn't very interested in the guy when she agreed to go out with him. But hey, he's got free money, and why should I work? I'm a strong, independent woman, don't need no man fish. Bicycle. Oh, no, I just had that trademark. But it wasn't a letdown either because he paid the bill. Huh. <laughs> really? 
So if girls I'm only marginally attracted to, if they paid for my food, I might go, really, you think? Hang on, let's look her up and see if she identifies herself as a feminist. Because with a name like that, that's going to be unique enough. Not bad looking. This is in Spanish. Let me see if I can. Is there a Facebook? Oh, that's a guy. This isn't a woman. This is a guy. Okay, here she is. Uh, she She's cute. She has graduated quite some time ago from high school. Let's go to the about. I just want to see. Uh, there's not much to go on here. Not really trying to cyber. I, ju I just want to know, like, please tell me you're a feminist. Please tell me you're... Uh, Maxim Covergirl Mexico. Oh, I guess she's a model. What is she? This is on Maxim and... Ma uh, oh, yeah, no. Eh, eh, makeup does a lot. Okay. Uh, this outcome wasn't entirely surprising. She says she wasn't very interested in the guy when she would agree to go out with him, but it wasn't let down either because he paid for the bill. While her heart wasn't in it, her stomach was. I mean, if it's dinner, I'm not going to say no, so I don't have to go home and cook, she told me. Trejo says that when she goes on a date where food, not romance, is her priority, she doesn't feel bad knowing that she still makes an effort to be an engaging dinner companion. <laughs> Jesus. Watch my video, everybody, called It's All Prostitution. It is all prostitution. If a guy... If it's a guy that's inviting me out, I do expect him to be the one to pay, she says, which once again, I'll bring up, you women are not equal. You are drastically inferior uh, when it comes to courage and bravery and facing rejection. <clears throat> and so you girls do not ask men out, uh, which makes this rule a lie, a hypocrisy, a contradiction, a... Unprincipled, I'd even say immoral stance. Well, I'm not going to ask guys out because, well, one, guys are going to ask you out anyway because we're guys. We have more, we want sex more than you girls do. Uh, but then you're also weaklings and cowards. You're, you're just so pathetically inferior to men in this, this regard where you just cannot face rejection. You do not build up courage. I've seen girls break down and cry before asking a guy out they really wanted to. Had one gal hounding me for like months. Send me up with him again. Send me up. I'm like, dude, fucking ask him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're interchangeable, all right. But this, this slimy, uh, immoral. Well, if you ask me out, then he has to pay because reasons and logic. It's like, yeah, but you girls never ask guys out. And you know that guys are going to ask you out. I don't see the logic in that. So you're not equal. Just admit, just admit it, girls. You're not equal in this one thing. Men are inferior to women and other stuff too. But but stop throwing us this lie. If he, whoever, whoever, they start out with that, whoever asked the other person out should pay. Now I will sit here and wait. Don't give me your stories that I asked a guy out one time. Don't give me your story. I don't care, ladies, that one time. 
and you're that one girl. Oh, of course here. <laughs> of course. But I am also bi, so if I like a girl, I like to be the dominant one, and then I will go and pay. Oh, just just say you hate men. Just just say you hate men. And when she is the one who gets asked, she'll sometimes say, still say yes <clears throat> to an otherwise inauspicious date. If it involves food, she says, I'm always down. In the age of online dating, media outlets have been fascinated by women who are in it for the food. What do you mean? Whoa, this was, they did an article about this almost 10 years ago where women were using men to get free dinners in, in New York. Duh. I'm not, and I'm not against women doing it. By all means, lady, go get the free food. I mean, it's in your best interest. I'm encouraging you to. If you could sell used bath water for $30 a bottle, go get yourself your free meal. I'm cheering you girls on. Don't you dare say that it that you have like an interest in dating or give me this lie though that oh yeah that you're not using the guy but just don't tell me that just don't tell me that often they are portrayed as wily and deceptive a category of person to be cautious about some women are going on tinder dates just to score a free dinner so be extra careful how you swipe read a maxim headline but men do it too oh i i wonder how long it took you to find this guy oh Oh, wait, never mind. Esteban Rosas, a 26-year-old resident of Phoenix who works for a credit card company, says he often gets messages on Tinder from men. <laughs> men, can we get, show me the instance where it's a straight guy screwing straight women out of, out of food and money. He isn't, a, from men he isn't particularly drawn to, but a few times a month he'll take them up on their invitations to meet up if he has nothing else going on. Recently he's gotten some free fa. And the tab for the nicest meal he's ever been treated to by someone he wasn't interested came to more than $200. Oh, and the thirst is real, both on the straight and gay side. I, I couldn't do that. You can't, Esteban, shame on you, man. You can't do that to the bro code, whether you're gay or not or bi. You can't do that to a fellow brother. What are you doing? I always do reach for my wallet because I'm also not a mooch, he said. He often picks up the tab himself when he's the one presenting an invitation. All right, well, that, <clears throat> at least he reaches for his wallet. It's kind of what do you do nowadays in this whole dating app world, Rosas added. It's just like if I'm not going to get anything out of it romantically or relationship out of it, well, at least I can get a free dinner out of it. But to him, this represents a downside of apps that can make dates so quickly and readily available in the sense that any given date becomes less important when there seems to be plenty of other opportunities out there. This can end in a scenario where no one's actually taking anything seriously. Here, I have a female friend who is on the war path, the war path against coffee dates. She is a, uh, what is she? Is she in her 30s? I think she's in her 30s. And she's serious. She's not effing around. She wants a man who's going to spend the money. She, she's not, not that she's a whore or anything. It's not that. It's like she wants a serious guy. And she's like, look out, girls. She values your time, too. I could see her argument. I could see the logic. She's in election. She's at least libertarian. And she's like, I'm not wasting my time with these guys. They're like, well, let's go get coffee, and then maybe you know, we'll have sex later on. And like, no, you're taking me out for a meal right and proper. Uh, but th at, at the same time, to counter her points, I think, what's a guy supposed to do? Thus, the coffee date. Girls are good. They're upset. Girls are upset about the coffee date. They're upset that guys just want to take them to coffee. Or for those of you that remember St. Lycus, it's like, you know, no, I'll, I'll, what are you doing after dinner? Uh, let's go get drinks. <laughs> Which is, man, that guy had it. That guy had it 20 years ago. You never take a girl to dinner, guy. Never. 
let's go get dinner. I'm like, well, why don't you go get dinner? What are you doing after dinner? I'm busy up until that time. Oh, nothing. Oh, let's get drinks after. There you go. And coffee. Hey, guys, young men out there, millennials, Gen Zers, I don't blame you for just going for the coffee. It's safe. You're in public. There's no booze involved. It's kind of like, oh, here's your coffee. <laughs> it's like dating a black widow. Here's your coffee. Just, just, just don't kill me. Uh, ultimately, people probably need to be extra careful when swiping on men, too. Last year, a 45-year-old man in Los Angeles area was alleged to have deceived series of women he met online going out to eat, going out to eat with them and then ducking up before the bill arrived. I don't – so what? He went to jail for that. Since 120 days in, in county jail, after pleading no contest to three misdemeanor cuff, defrauding an innkeeper by non-payment. That's how they got him. <clears throat> And one misdemeanor count of petty theft in order to stay off Bumble and plenty of fish while on probation. <laughs> God bless you. Oh, it, oh, when the goose gets the gander or the gander gets the goose, the gander is very upset. It's very upset. One woman says he ordered more than $100 worth of food in one sitting. Oh, oh. here's some crocodile tears next to the bag of dick store. Go get one. The non-criminal version of dating for food, it turns out, is not entirely uncommon behavior. A study recently published in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Science, which I don't trust, found that about a quarter of roughly 1,000 women surveyed said they had at one time or another elected to go on a date with an unpromising suitor in hopes of getting a free meal. That's, 20 per, that's 25%, and those are the ones who admit it. They're the ones who admit it. Uh, the study authored by the psychological researchers, Brian Collison, Jennifer Howell, and Trista Herrig. Why do you need so many doctors to research one to a thousand surveys? Here, take this. What do you say? Okay, you say it. Now add it up. You don't need four doctorates to do this. Employs the unfortunate coinage foodie call to refer to this practice, which has also, again, unfortunately, been called sneeding. A mashup of the words sneaky and eating. Sneeding. <laughs> You're getting, you're getting what girls have been doing for eons, phrases now. Whatever it's called, people do it. Most of the studies respondents say they've never treated dating as a way to get free food. And also that they didn't approve of doing so. But those who had gone on a food, free food date reported having done it an average about five times. And about a quarter of those who'd done it at least once, they said, do it frequently, very frequently. Couple limitations. The study first looks women and first it only looks at women and at dates involving a man and woman, which cho we chose this focus in part because of its consistency with traditional dating scripts and because this type of foodie call has received media attention, the researchers write. And second, the responses of the women surveyed who were recruited via Amazon's Mechanical Turk platform, which many researchers use to find subjects who will complete short tasks in exchange for modest cash payments, don't necessarily represent the practices of any broader population of data. I would say it's half, at least half, which is to say the study isn't a perfect indicator of how common foodie calls really are. <clears throat> One interesting contribution of the study, however, is that it also took stock of correspondence personality traits, and it found that people who went on dates to get free food got higher scores on a series of multiple choice questions designed to measure for a set of three traits, the traits that psychologists ominously call the dark triad. Ah, Machiavellianism, psychopathy, a general lack of empathy and regret, and narcissism, an undue focus on the self. Ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba. 
Joe Pinsker at the Atlantic. I'm glad he wrote that article and someone did him research to inform us that women. Hey, Aaron, can you hear me? Yeah, because hey, how you doing, Seth? I'm good, man. Sorry, uh, sorry for the miscommunication. No, that's that's fine. You know how I roll. It's not not your fault at all. I you were up north in the mountains or whatever, and I, yeah, I did want to have you on the show. I'm glad you can make. Are you back down? You got internet access? Yeah, I'm over here at a neighbor's house where we have Wi-Fi. You know how it is in the mountains. <laughs> you have to do yeah. that. Go next door and and uh, and pilfer the internet. Yeah, well, I have satellite internet, which is basically like dial-up. So, oh, you know, well, what are you? Are you out? Where are you in the Andes Mountains or something? Yes. No, I, I'm in the Sierra Nevadas. You know, I'm west of Atham. I'm west of Truckee. Okay, yeah, but I mean that's not unpopulated. I mean they do have internet. I, I but are you like at a resort way up in a park or something? No, we live up. There's town. There's like going into town where there's everything, and then oh. you go up into the mountains, and it's up about five or 10 miles there's a bunch of houses you know this is where all the old hippies and you know people who don't want to be in society right, okay all right so they, they don't have high fiber optic cable running out there right That's right and we got power and water and everything but sure no there's no uh you know oh actually i mean my neighbor's only 100 yards away and we have you know they have at&t so well, I'm glad it's you can good. make it anyway. So, listen, um, in in part because of advertising, but more importantly because I believe in the uh, in your products and you do do good work with your uh, indemandcareer.com and all that. Uh, I want to have you uh, tell people about your new book uh, because I, I'm hoping it sells. I hope it it it's it's going to reach thousands, hundreds of thousands of young kids. But tell people about your book um, and and the you know the basic tenets of it because I want I want to get this out there as much as possible. Sure. Yeah. It's called skip college for success. And that's really what it's about. I subtitled it a liberation and empowerment guide for young people to grow and not. Owe. Um, basically I, you know, it's, it's my take on this whole thing, starting with the first section is called the irrefutable evidence-based um, rationale for skipping past college, which provides all of the data and like common sense reasons why college is a huge mistake for most people. Mm -hmm. um, but it's written, I, I've read a lot of books in this genre. I think it's pretty entertaining and funny. I didn't want to keep it very dry. I've read some very dense books on this topic. Um, you know, I, sh I basically show how manipulative and disingenuous all of the statistics that are used to pressure young people into going to college. Wait a minute, are. I mean, you mean, you mean that the statistics, the baby boomers pulled up from 1950 to 1975 saying that people earn more money with a bachelor's degree. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> also the fact that, you know, the general news media, um, you know, they don't do any real deep critical thinking about statistics. You know, somebody does a press release and says, oh, a new study shows ABC. And I dissect a couple of articles explaining that a lot of the data comes from, oh shit, sorry, I'm at a friend's house. Um, a lot of the data comes from an organization called, <laughs> I didn't tell them I could <laughs> You are at a baby boomer's house. I'm at my friend's house. He's 74. <laughs> Can you pick that up? Oh, it's like, I mean, you got the, you got the caller ID and there's the telemarketers. 
My folks <laughs> still have a phone. Honest to God, they got a real phone. I'm like, why do you have this? It's a phone. Well, in case there's a fire. I mean, they yeah. have the dumbest excuse. Well, what if the cell towers go out? I'm like, if the cell towers are out, you got bigger fucking problems. Right. You know? <laughs> no, um, but cell service out here is terrible. So, yeah. but, um, but so, yeah, no, the, the one of the biggest sources of information is called the National Association of Colleges and Employers. Mm. Well, what do you think their agenda is? It's oh. two people in going to college. But they they actually have these um, surveys that go out every year that are so scientifically and statistically biased mm. and just ridiculous. And you, I found I got access to some of these reports and I put them in the book because I wanted to show how basically I'm giving a little bit away, but basically they oversample engineering majors oh. in terms of salary. So they'll survey like, and it's like they're surveying their own people too. So it's not randomized at all. It's completely, it's just, it's completely manipulated. But what's so funny is you'll see like, they got like a hundred liberal arts majors, maybe 200 history majors, maybe like 30 psychology majors, and then 3,000 engineering majors. 3,000. <laughs> and you're like, and they're using mean, they're using the average salary, they're not using median, they're just, they're just tweaking shit. It's so misleading, but let's, nobody questions it. It's not, it's not misleading. It's lying. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's outright, it's worse than lying because you act like you have this legitimate methodology and here are the figures and we have a fancy title, the National Association of Colleges and, and Employers. Um, and it's just, it's a lie, just a yeah. lie. And, and now kids go and borrow untold sums of money and sacrifice decades of their youth, if not all of it away, in part based on those statistics, I'd imagine. That's really the, yeah, it's like, I didn't even get into it in the book. Well, because the second and third part of the book, the second part of the book, it's called How to Actually Make Money, where mm -hmm. I discuss all of you know my advice about that, which includes getting in-demand skills. I do talk about the trades. I mentioned that in there. You know, mm -hmm. I refer people over to like Mike Rowe and that whole thing because there's so many empty jobs in the trades. Um, I actually, I do focus a lot on digital marketing because that's been my thing. That's where I've seen the most success and opportunity for You've for saved, people. you've not saved, you've you've employed hundreds of people successfully, uh, giving them careers and, and, and they've gotten to skip college. You didn't have to go through that shit. Right. It's amazing. Some of them, I mean, <laughs> and for the cost of my program, it's like absurd. That's what I was, every once in a while I get a little, I mean- it's so crazy to me. If I ever get a student that's like, oh, I can't afford your course because I'm paying for college. I'm like, <laughs> so you're giving these guys $40,000. You're wasting that much, but you can't spend $100 to learn how to change your life. It like blows my mind. But, uh, but you know, I do do it because it, it, it does help so many people. Um, and then I, you know, I talk about other skills other than digital marketing in the tech field and then also non-tech skills. You know, I know people who are teaching like things like bookkeeping or, you know, um, I didn't even realize you really don't actually need a degree to be an accountant. No, you know? not to be, be an accountant. No, not to be a bookkeeper, AP. No, but right. I mean, or CPA to do taxes. You need a CPA, but for yeah, a CPA, yeah. but you can do tax returns without a, uh, any degree. That's why H and R block exists. And right. you can be a, a financial planner. It, it, there's just a lot of things people don't know about. So then in the third section, I do talk more like about just living a happy life, like making friends, traveling, being well-rounded. More philosophical um, life ap application. 
Yeah, just being self-directed in your learning and just, you know, I was like, you know, you, you could skip English class in school, just read some books, you know, read some literature, read some history, um, go to a science museum. You know, there's just like a lot of th- you, you don't need to lock yourself into this stupid uh, academic um, paradigm. So uh, the book, if you've seen the cover, it's like fun. I have a cartoon of these two kids like skipping over. the. It, it is targeted to younger, which I want to ask you about. But yeah, it's, it's not targeted to old fogies like you and me with gray in our beards. But yeah, it's targeted no. towards younger people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm actually I'm going to be running some Instagram ads. I have some funny videos. I would like to get it to in front of the, you know, the teens. That was, that's mm-hmm. been the idea is to get the kids before. So they're not in their 20s. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of you know followers, subscribers who are in their 20s who are digging on the book, but I'd like to get them before. <laughs> and, well, and, that, uh, and that's that's I'm kind of curious how you're going to do that, because worthless, obviously, a lot of my books is kind of pointless and academic for the people who read it, because if you're 30 and you're reading worthless, it's kind of you've obviously wasted your time in school. And it really helps to get someone who's 14, 15, or 16 to read these books. I have not been able to unlock the secret of getting a teenager to pay the fuck attention and set their damn phone down. So if you've got the formula, I'm, I'm curious to hear it. <laughs> I don't have a formula. I think it's just like anything. It's just about marketing. You just have to get it in front of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I can't predict the results, but I will, you know, I did a test before. So I used to do, uh, before I wrote the book, I had a little online course called Skip College for Success. Right. And I did a squeeze page. I did a test campaign basically of, of to try to get email opt-ins. Um, and I targeted 13 to 17 year olds on Facebook and Instagram. And it basically was a landing page that said, learn how to skip college. But, you know, it was a pitch for the, the concept. Right. And I got a lot of opt-ins. You know, that's okay. kind of what inspired me to want to, I said, oh, you know, people aren't ignoring it. They're engaging. The problem with young people is they don't read their email. <laughs> they uh, Do they even know, have email, I'd imagine. I didn't think they would. I think a lot, some of them have school email, but mm. there was an interest. So what I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to be doing like even, even going on your show, going, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with, you know, some other like-minded people in terms of just hustling it, um, you know, hopefully getting it featured on some blogs. And I'll just be running some Instagram ads. The kids are on Instagram and it's up to them if they're going to respond or not. Every time you do this, it's a test. You can't make them pay attention. You know, they have to no. like want to, but you but with Instagram ads, the cool thing is you can get in front of, you know, get in front of a hundred thousand, 200,000 more people and see how the response is. Um, my whole thing in writing, it was, it was kind of cool. I really didn't have a profit motive. Cause I said, you know, it's a book, right. You know, the, right. once Amazon takes their cut, it's not a lot of profit. I don't but, know. I'm living. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get myself a new golf club today. Used, well, of course, used, but I'm <laughs> in part book, paid my, by book sales. That's good. That's good. On my book, I realized something is that I have pictures and it's 374 pages. And so I w- I wanted to do it in color, but that would have been a printing cost of like $20 a book. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's cost prohibitive once you throw color yeah. in. Yeah. No. But I like it just being out there. And I'll tell you one thing for the moment, it's if you go to it, it says number one new release in college guides. So I like that. Um I wanted to do it on Amazon because I picked all the categories that are like um, uh, some of them are business and um, but a lot of them are, are college and financial aid. And I'm going to probably add some categories to be, for like teens, um, self-reliance, self-confidence. There's there's all these different categories on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's 
I'm just doing it kind of one step at a time, but uh, I think just, you know, getting to getting it in front of them is the first thing. I mean, when I started running that ad, the funniest thing was I did get people with positive responses. And then I always get a couple of kids who want to fight with me about it and say, <laughs> just ignore them. <laughs> what, are, what are they saying? Like, Hey man, you just trying is like, you're ruining their dreams. What's the, what's the response from the, well, I think I actually forwarded you a couple of responses a while back. I remember some people will say you need college and they, they have these long um, kind of sad conceptual defenses, you know, and actually one girl commented on one of my videos. Um, I did a video called, do you need a marketing degree or a digital marketing degree to work in the field? And I'm just like, no, 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 it's a waste of money. Here's exactly why point A, point B. I'm going through like 20 points specifically. Because because this- every week there's a new article about how students are $100,000 in debt and can't find jobs and they're working as brief. That's not empirical enough. So you're going to convince her now with your with your points. Right. So I said, I said, look, what I usually ask them is I say to them, I very seriously, I say, what, you know, what do you do for a living? That's just what I ask. And if they're like, I'm 17, I'm like, well, so you've never worked a job. You never hired anyone, I'm assuming. <laughs> so you don't have any concept about what you're talking about. And she, this one girl had this thing that was so, the thinking was so backward. She basically, I said, the courses are outdated. And she basically said, yes, they're supposed to be outdated because that's how you understand the history of something. <laughs> history and of I, market. <laughs> and I said, I wrote her this very detailed response. I said, look, if you're in medical school, you have to study the history of medicine as like part of your studies. You know, you need to understand how it evolved and what they were doing in the 1800s. But you're not over there like using leeches on people. <laughs> you know, you have to learn the modern stuff. So the idea that you're going to spend four years, you know, I have a, a, one of my buddies, Matt, he he was going to do an MBA program. And I remember he was about to like enroll. And then they said, oh, they're going to be studying Kodak. Like that was one of their business camera model. company oh, going to study Kodak like this is this is a co- company that imploded <laughs> in, in two nights modern. like in 48 hours it was gone yeah and I was like that's so outdated you know so so we, we laugh about that but but yeah man it's um you know I'm hoping that the book I, I put in I've got a lot of suggestions for people not just about not just about specific skills and 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 data but just to give them um a paradigm sort of a path a way to center themselves because i feel like my my approach to what i tell people is like you need to have a foundational income from which you could then build something that is more more in align with your passions you know if you want to build something creative um you shouldn't it doesn't mean you have to be a drone for 40 years doing a job you hate but you need to be able to feed yourself before you start you know, sort of doing your artsy shit <laughs> or I, entrepreneurial stuff. I hate to use that word paradigm, for, but for the first time in the history of my life, I've actually heard it used correctly and, and pointedly, not just as a means to sound more important and more intelligent than you actually are, which was predominantly a uh, college. Um, <clears throat> but the paradigm, they really do need something else. And that's when I've sat down and thought through, you know, cause I do, I want to unlock the teenage market because well, one, we make more money, but then two, then the books and advice that us older types are trying to give these kids will actually be delivered in time to help them. But what I have found is that there is almost a religious, not almost a religious, it is a religious like belief in college because there's nothing else. There is no other paradigm. There is no other plan B. And you could, and that's what I think 
I, I know I've ran into what you're probably going to run into or have ran into is until you can paint them uh, an alternative and better uh, world that they not only can see, but believe and trust in with, you know, for every one of you and me, there are thousands of other people more closely attached to these kids, their parents, their teachers, guns, whatever, telling them to go to college. And the only thing they have is college. There's nothing but college. And I've talked about before how I think that, you know, kindergarten through senior year in high school, it's a damn prison. All they have in life to look forward to is college. So we yeah. got quite an uphill battle, but until you show these kids, look, there's a plan B. And matter of fact, it should be your plan A because college a. fucking right. sucks. It is a bad proposition. And unless you're in a few key items or a few key fields within a traditional educational setting, um, it's a losing proposition. But then, because they've had nothing else in their lives, uh, and now you're it's seeming like I, I always get a kick out of how they're personally offended and pissed off and angry at me yeah. for ruining their dreams. Like, kid, I'm trying to save you from a nightmare. Yeah. So that's all they have. So I'm, I'm, does the book try to... I know that's you know how to skip college, but in your philosophical segment of that book, do, do you try to you know break through that psychological barrier and present a new paradigm? I well, here's the thing. I basically what everything you just said is true, and I've been dealing with this for about ten years ever since I wrote my first book and kind of started myself. You know, when I was twenty, my buddy dropped out of college, and I freaked out. Yeah, you I were a like, film major, weren't you? Yeah, I was a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you're not making this up. You've walked the path. I walked the path, and I, but I was afraid for him for dropping out of college because I was inside of that brainwashing. You know, mm -hmm. oh my God, you don't have a degree, you're gonna end up homeless. So I, I've been through the. It's kind of like being deprogrammed from a cult, and I actually put that in the book. I have a political cartoon of these like middle class parents worshiping uh, instead of a cross. Um, it's a diploma degree. Yeah, <laughs> good, but, good. But but what I realized is that. There's enough kids now who are wisening up that I wrote the book for them. If you're so sold on college that you're going to fight with me, the book is not for you. Mm -hmm. It's just not. I'm not. I can't deprogram you from the cult if you're out there, if you're having sex with the cult leader, you know, mm -hmm. like I need the person in the cult who's kind of questioning things, saying this cult's a little crazy, but I don't know what else to do. And I do address all these things, which is what you said is. People don't know what else to do. And I'm like, here's 376 pages of exactly what to do. Step by step with detailed instructions. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I have a buddy of mine. He's about our age. His daughters are, I think, 11. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, we had this same talk. And he said, you know, I don't know. I don't want to send my, you know, it's going to be half a million dollars or quarter million dollars to send each of my kids to school. And we talked for 30 or 40 minutes about why it's such a bad idea. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, but I'll probably send them anyway. Right. And I was like, because I don't know what else to do. Right. Said, Read the book, man. But it's, <laughs> it's a paradigm shift. And so those take time, you know? So I think that it's just a matter of slow. It's, it's like the, the, the middle class is like a lobster being boiled mm -hmm. and it's just going to take <laughs> maybe, maybe in like five years because um, uh, I don't know at what price point people will wake up because it's already quadrupled college tuition it's in like the point years. that if you just throw that damn money in the S and P 500 or buy yourself a house, you're going to come out way. Ahead. I can, I can say that. I can say that for certain on every degree, except for engineering, you know, and, and if it's your standard run of the mill shit degree, your money is better invested in the S and P 500 or buying a house. Cause you're going to save money or get dividends at least. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and there's and, not, and, and you're accruing payments, not accruing interest that you have to pay. So yeah. it, it, it's a it's a no brand, but uh, man, it, you are right about that. Where it's one thing when a 16 year old kid doesn't listen to a 44 year old old farts like, which is probably a good thing. You know, maybe maybe hey, stay away from strangers. But even though our message, what gets me is when I have friends, colleagues who agree with me, are philosophically, economically politically and financially aligned and know this and then they still send little you know princess off to some liberal arts college right and right. i'm looking at them and i'm kind of like what what the fuck did i write the book for? <laughs> if you're not gonna listen what hope is it gonna be a 14 15 year old kid that's gonna listen right well what i what i talk about in the book is this this is it goes back like you said it goes to like age 13 or 14 because mm -hmm. i think school it's it's not done well, but you got to learn basic reading, writing, you know, the basics that you're taught in school. It's mm -hmm. a foundation. But by the time someone's about 14 or 15 is when I'm like, everything you're learning from this point on is 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 worthless mm -hmm. um, or it could be acquired much better. So the problem and the reason the parents do this is because they've been what I say is they it's inf infantilizes their kids. It keeps them in a little little baby mindset from age six until 22 because you're just, you know, in these classrooms learning a bunch of nonsense that means nothing. But if you, if you start teaching your kid about life when they're 14 or 15 and get at least educate them about like rent and credit and taxes and all these things and let them travel a little bit. So they get out into the world and feel comfortable, you know, getting away from mommy and daddy. Cause that's what people are doing with school is it's like summer camp. It's a training wheels for adulthood. Mm -hmm. They don't feel comfortable taking these little infantile baby people who have no common sense and throwing them out into the world, you know, hey, go get an apartment. So they want to give them this little, you know, safe experience, which as a parent makes sense because you love your kids, you, you want to protect them. But, you know, it's a terrible, terrible approach, especially at I that think. cost, especially yeah. at that cost. I and forget the the lack of a quality education some of these schools have become so politicized it's like why you're, you're now damaging yourself yeah uh, even crippling yourself i don't mean to delve into the world of politics but it's one thing if you go and you got yourself a classic liberal arts degree and know a lot about history it's another thing where you come out of it thinking ocasio-cortez is some kind of leader and that you're entitled to the world's things and everyone's out to get you and and screw the system and screw you, man. Then you're crippled because you don't have a work ethic. And if anything, you're you're worship you, you you what you have in life. They almost give you a surrogate point and purpose in life. Well, here's your politics, and this is the only thing you need in life. And no, no, and you know, you go work a career, or you go and protest this, or you become a professor, or you get a doctorate and you join, you become one of us and fight the cause. It's like you're not living life. You you've never set foot in life. And now you are a cripple. Now, no one, no one in the real world, no good quality people are going to want to have anything to do with you except other psychopaths and ideologues. Yeah, I do mention that in the books uh, briefly. I didn't want to get uh, caught up on it. Right, I basically, right. in, the, in the last section where I talk about history and I basically say that you should get you should learn to be able to listen to multiple viewpoints on a topic. And that if you do get into the college system, you're basically going to not be trained to do that. 
you're going to be trained to listen to one viewpoint and be offended by it. So I basically threw out a bunch of history books, like here's a very liberal kind of interpretation. Here's, and I threw in some, I think kind of wacky, but conservative uh, history books. But I said, look, you, you should be able to read what these guys are saying. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro shouldn't be pelted with rocks or, you know, screamed at when he goes to sure, speak. Sure. At a, a, you, and I, I said, you become more powerful and more grounded if you can just be with your quote unquote opponent's point of view rather than freaking out about it. But I, I, again, I limited that to a small section in the book. Cause it's not the point of, of what we're talking right, about. Right. No, it, right. No, it's, it's just more of a, it's just a point, another point in the, it's another of many, I mean, yeah, an, add another bean to the, you know, it's like the scale right. is like three beans here, four going to college. And then there's a pile of beans. We'll just added one more bean right, as to right. why not to go to college. What, what I said is I've been really thinking about this. I said, you know, this is, there's something funny about the industry, the education industry. It's like a $4 billion industry or 10 or whatever it is that <laughs> education. It's, I looked it up. It's not as much as you'd think. It's kind of, it's, it's a trillion dollars. Are we talking kindergarten through college? Or are we just talking uh, higher ed? college? I looked it oh, up, I actually, um, but I, I forget the actual number, but the point is it's an industry. It's a very big industry, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it's just not held to any kind of accountability like any other industry. That's the big issue because of this paradigm, because of the emotional belief in the product, mm -hmm. there's no accountability. It's like, you know, even American cars, like people wanted to buy American for so long, but at a certain point there was like a lack of de delivering quality goods and the industry suffered and then it had to rebuild itself. But People continue to invest in this product without realizing it's an investment or holding it to any kind of account. They rationalize it. You know, you meet people who are lives are ruined because of this investment and they'll go, well, it was a great experience. And I was like, <laughs> you, never, you never hear somebody that got like wiped out by a Ponzi scheme that go, well, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. Yeah. I learned the timeshare I had in Mexico. That was a great experience. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, but people, when you have masses of people who are deluded like this, I mean, you're almost at like a North Korean level of mass delusion. Mm -hmm. Like they cannot, it's not even on, it's not even like having different political views. It's really like, um, like you said, it's like people are in a religion. And if you ever try to discuss religion with a person, who, it's just not a productive conversation unless you're really trying to have a theological understanding of the other person, which isn't what's happening. Right. So, um, yeah, that's why the book's intention is, again, to get the idea out there. To And also, I think there's enough kids out there, from my experience now dealing with thousands of them, a lot of them already are interested in skipping college or they feel just pressured and they don't want to go. They don't feel like they have any other options. And the book is basically an older person saying, look, you're right. Um, you don't have to feel bad. You don't have to just give in. Here are your options so that they feel like validated. I'm I'm kind of hoping again it, it'll take a long time and and this too shall pass. I I just like to see it in my day. You know, I just like to see where like the day comes out the day before I die. 49.9% of kids are now going to college and the majority don't. That would yeah. that would make me very happy. But one thing I think is starting to accelerate it is a lot yeah, there's no real delineation between Gen X and Gen Z. A lot of these Gen Z kids, a lot of kids today who are about to go to college, they have older brothers and sisters who have just been destroyed. <clears throat> and I think that's kind of waking them up where they look 
at least the smart ones. The dumb ones are going to go no matter what. I mean, the day is coming. Only dumb people will go to college if it were not already there in an ironic sense. But a lot of these younger brothers and sisters are looking at their older brother who's now moved back home at 28, 29, has a ton of debt, you know, spouting off whatever. It doesn't even talk about finding a job. It's all politics and how they're oppressed and whatever else. I think some people, younger people, will see that. And kind of slowly, you know, they'll be the beachhead and then they'll tell their friends. And uh, over the next couple of generations, hopefully people, the, the world will get around like, hey, actually, you shouldn't trust anybody over 30 on this college thing. So I, I do see a little bit of hope. Um, but still, to this day, it's, it is going to be one long slog. And I'll, I'll be impressed if you can break into that teen market, man, because it, that's the book you should write about. If you happen to get this, a bestseller among, you know, the, the under 17s, write a book about how you did it because you make billions off of that one there. <laughs> it's a big market. Um, but I agree. I do. A lot of my students who write next to me do are what you're talking about. Like they've seen friends or they've seen them. Um, and then some of the it's funny to me is this kind of frantic, frustrated, almost, it's almost like being, you know, the Cassandra complex. Like you see the future. Oh yeah. Mythical, future. mythical Cassandra. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of my students, that's what happens to them. And it's kind of, it's funny, but it's kind of like, they'll, they get a job, they skip college. They, then all their friends are like in debt in college scrim. Yeah. And they're trying, now they're trying to like help their friends and they can't, you know, and they're like 20. So they get real like crazy, you know, just like you and me, but they're younger. So it's just a matter of, sharing the message and it just takes time to, to get through to people. I do think what you said, I did look at the statistics and I think like the number of high schoolers in college went from like, from 2017 to 18, it went from like 70% to 67 or 68%. Oh, good. So, good. I don't know what it's in 2009, 19. I'll check it out. I mean, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics keeps these numbers. Um, I also talk about college unemployment, uh, graduate unemployment, which is, the numbers are so cooked to, you know, the, the unemployment statistics only it's only people 25 and older. Um, yeah. People 25 and older mm. who of course are applying for these unemployment benefits. You know, there's, there's all sorts of people. It's not a fully accurate picture of things, right. but if you, they have a separate category of people from age like 20 to 28 with bachelor's degrees and the unemployment rate is like 26%. It's like great, it's great depression era numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, but those numbers don't really come out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, they're not headline numbers. No. no. What, have you ever looked at underemployment figures like U4 and U, U6, I think is the other one? Yeah, I, I, I talk about underemployment in the book okay. a lot okay. because it's, it's absurd. And that's really what I said is the majority of people are working in three fields customer service, sales, and administrative. And that's the craziest thing to me is that there's so many office jobs out there that are just so unrelated to anything you've ever discussed in school. Mm -hmm. You're doing Microsoft Excel, you're doing Microsoft Office, you're filing papers, you know, you're just doing all these, these things that just it just doesn't make any sense that you spent four years studying French literature or French history or whatever, you know? Um, and it's such a shock for people when they get out of school and they're just like, okay, now I need a job. I'm like, <laughs> you haven't studied how to have a job for 17 years, you know, for 16 years. Um, 
And that's, you know, that's, that's been my, cause that was me for, I mean, I think back to my twenties and thirties, I mean, dude, it was just a nightmare. You're so so See, that's why, that's why I, why I think it's also why I like hanging out with you, but I like your work. I like what you're doing. You were there. You know, I fucked up with my finance degree. I busted my ass off. There wasn't one damn thing I learned after the eighth grade I've needed to have the jobs I've had today. And you tried your hand at film. You've actually made some very clever and funny films uh, on, on YouTube and on your own. Um, <clears throat> you had this amazing entrepreneur. You, you've had a journey where you had to leave the cult, unbrainwash yourself, reassess what the real world was, then reinvent yourself. And now <laughs> it's, it's get, your job. You could say our job is essentially getting the people out of the cult and taking a commission along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, it, it's, it's great. It, if anybody, if anybody doesn't, I mean, watch Seth's uh, uh, videos. And you still have your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's Seth okay. Jared. And you know, I did make a feature film, which was a lifelong dream, which was made possible because of all the entrepreneurial stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't tell you about that. The Wally got wasted. Yeah, Wally watch- got wasted. No, you told me about that. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. It's it's out. And is it on Netflix now? It's on Prime. It's, it's on, on Prime. Prime. Okay, and it's on yeah. iTunes and Google Play. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I started with film school because that was when I wrote a book called film fooled in 2008 right. about what a just, you know, the NYU film curriculum has not been updated in 50 or 60 years. It's, it's, it's bizarre. And I got a few messages from a few parents who thanked me for helping them. Like their kid got rejected from Tish and they felt better. And I thought, you know, when I went to NYU, I actually found my student ID. I'm going to post that in an Instagram post. Cause I'm like, what 19 yeah and I'm like, oh god yeah it'd be hilarious this, to see that yeah this college id cost me my family thirty thousand dollars a year back in the two th- in late 1990s mm-hmm. now it's like 50 or sixty thousand dollars a year for this it is the, robbery which is so crazy aaron and this is why i've, I've kind of i said i've mellowed a little bit because i said i don't want to waste my breath on people is that the weirdest thing about college is that some people are most American. Most people are such outspoken consumers. They will complain about everything. You know, they go to a restaurant and they get a bad sandwich and they're just like all over Yelp. Like this restaurant should be shut down. My turkey was dry. You know, it was terrible in the service and people are so vocal. And then the customer service people have to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You had a bad experience. Oh, and that's oh. the culture. But with college, it's like, it's not losing $10 on a bad sandwich. They, they, you destroyed your child's finances so that they're crippled. And you don't tell anybody. Like people, there are people who are suffering because of college and they don't, they don't, they're not like you and me. They're not like out there on the internet screaming bloody murder. They're like, well, you know, I learned a lot of self-reliance from all good experience. <laughs> You know, I I uh, learned to, I wouldn't be where I am without it today. It's like, yeah, you'd be way the fuck better off if you didn't. Know, I, mean, I, I have five <laughs> houses, not one. Um, what what's sad though is, and, and you know this as well as I do, is that, and and you said it, where employment is in three main categories: uh, customer service, admin, and sales. Um, people, it's the sunk investment fallacy cost where, they, and shame, they don't want to admit. Yep that they pissed away their money and ruined their life. And if you look at most people today, the number one accomplishment they have is their degree. It's not their career because it's by mathematical necessity. Most jobs have to be boring and suck. 
you know, m- most people aren't going to have a great crazy, you know, like the, there's a guy at Briar's ice cream. He's the official ice cream taster. You know what? There's only one or two people in the world <laughs> like that. I'm sure that chocolatiers have chocolate testers. Well, there's only one or two jobs in the world like that. The, the guy, or, uh, uh maybe it's the gal. I don't know. I'm going to assume it's a guy and it's a lucky guy. He gets to judge what's going to go on the fashion uh, racks of Fredericks of Hollywood lingerie. He gets to look at lingerie models. That's one guy. Uh, most other jobs are going to suck. And when you realize you totally overinvested in an education, you were never going to use uh, that much labor and effort. Plus, everyone's had dirt blown up their shoot, smoke blown up their shoot about how great and wonderful you all are. They can't walk home and say, well, uh, you know, I got my degree. I got a, I got honors and communications or uh, it's you know, international relay. And then they're working as a barista. They cannot, because what's it to, you know, working in a barista? You can do that at 16. That doesn't take, so they can't acknowledge and say they got duped. It was a waste of time. They learned nothing. And God almighty, we got to warn people about it. Their ego and pride gets way too much. I even remember my mom for the longest fucking time. She, she never finished her English degree, but she kept telling me English, English, English. Oh, it's not. And I'm like, why oh, we speak English? Why do I have to take? You need to know how to dissect and whatever. And and now finally, I mean, the gal's almost 70 years old. Now finally, like, well, yeah, maybe you don't really need that much education. I'm like, well, what were you telling me <laughs> in the 70s and 80s? What was this bullshit? Uh, oh, that's but, funny. Yeah, my but the, dad, the pride dad, people have is, is what it is. Yeah. No, that's it. It's painful. It's painful for people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, For me, you know, I didn't – I was out of school for, what, six years before it kind of do- started to dawn on me. It was only when I started – I started to try to produce my first feature film, mm-hmm. um, which is what I went to school for. And I started to dawn on me very slowly that, like, whoa, what did I learn? And then when I was researching film school, because I thought at the time it was just art school. I thought, right. wow, this was a mistake. And then I started to meet younger people than me who are really screwed financially. And then it just, it was like the matrix. It was just like waking up. But for there many years, I had that, that stupid, and I had a shitty attitude too, which I, I think college gives people, it, it, what I, what, I was just thinking about this last night. It's empty accomplishment. It's mm-hmm. like, you're proud of something that wasn't of value really. Um, right. And and nobody will call you on that because some people, you know, especially with all these stupid graduation ceremonies, th- those oh, things. Oh God! Like, it's this, <laughs> and then there's you know, then they get the the celebrity to come in a lot of times who didn't go to college and give this you know graduation speech, and with all these platitudes, it's just such pompous ceremony. It's just it's just ridiculous. Well, that's and that's why it's an interesting point you made about a different paradigm is it took me a while to sit down and figure out the economic nature. I wrote an article not to plug my article, but it's a good article people should read because it is true. But the economic nature of college is that of a wedding. It's this birthright. It's this one time event that you're going to celebrate right. and you're going to go all out. And then after it, it's over. It's over. Her day is done. You've had the thing. You've had the stuff. You had the ceremony. And now it's back to work. And colleges, and, and with nothing to gain, by the way, with a ton of debt. I've known many people to get married going to debt for the wedding. And it's it's and they it's a it's a it's the most expensive consumer luxury good in the Western yes. world today, is what it is. Because at least a house you can live in. A right. wedding. Unless you're egregious, is at most is going to cost you eighty grand. College degrees—that's four years of your youth at minimum, 
and around a hundred thousand dollars of expensive uh, expenses. And I, I and, say and it as a, nothing for it. Nothing. I said it uh, in the book. I actually say that it's like going on a cruise mm-hmm. for four years. You know, it's like a booze cruise because it is. There's just a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, and you know that's fun for you know. But but the the one pl- platitude that really gets me that I I don't think I mentioned this in the book, but I said, this idea, they say, these are the best years of your life. And I'm like, dude, listen, this is just common sense that nobody thinks. If you're going to live to be 80 or 90, hopefully, Mm. it's just like if you're watching a movie, if the first, if if there's like four minutes in the beginning of the movie that are really good, which is like ages 18 to 22, Mm. and the rest of the movie sucks, that's a shitty movie. So if you have a movie, yes, right. If you have a life where you peaked at 22 and it's all, and then. And that's a lot, you know, people, that's the culture. People have this thing where, you know, you see like the old guy who's working the job he hates and he's like, you know, Al Bundy. and he's thinking about, oh, back in college, I was, you know, I was so popular and I, you know, and he remembers the parties and shit. Like, this is so irresponsible. And that's what I put in the book, too, is I say it's irresponsible. That's the, that's the lie is that it's a responsible investment. Well, and not to. Not to bring it up because it's a little bit dark, but I've I've gone down darker paths here more recently because I'm as I'm getting older, I'm I'm kind of like I don't have time to be polite anymore because I was so polite in the past. When but, were you ever polite, Aaron? Uh dude, you could <laughs> before you know, I met you. How much I hold back, man. You have no idea. What are these? What I should see, that's I gotta find a a video channel. We'll call it like Clary Black or Clary Black Ops or something like that. And I just actually say what I fucking think. Not that I don't, but um, but here I'll, I'll allow it. But because it's philosophical and I'm not endorsing people do this, but what people have got to say, well, why should we listen to you old people? And this is why I think your life philosophy segment in your book, because I haven't read it yet, but it's absolutely important. So you provide context and explain to kids why why we're making this case because there is a cost and a consequence because if it is the case and i i hate to say this this is the case for the majority of americans who went to college if it is the case that you peaked at like high school prom or you won the homecoming game or you uh your your high peak was college your days at the frat party or the sorority or when you graduated from college if that's or even your wedding like if that's the peak and it's all downhill fucking put a bullet in your head Okay, just go out on a high note. Hey, hey, it's been great, everybody, and I'm out of here. Pow. And then because if if that is how you've lived your life and how you think you're going to live your life, and this is the peak, and it doesn't get any better, like the love of your spouse over the courses of generations and having kids or family, if that's not more important than the wedding day, um, if going out and adventuring and starting an entrepreneurship or just becoming the best in your field. If that's not a better day than your college graduate, if that was it, because you're party and you want to like have a college experience, like if you go to college, not to make money before the college experience, Hey, you know, right after the ceremony, when you hand in your gown, cause you don't buy, remember you don't buy the the gown and the hat you rent it. Did you know that? Um, I believe so. You know what? I didn't go to my college. You didn't go, yeah, see, I didn't know that either. You don't own it. You <laughs> rent it. So after your rental, you rent the hat and the gown for like, I think, 1200 bucks. And you know, dang, 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 you're going to be the future and everybody vote for Ocasio-Cortez because socialism you have, to, you have to rent it for 1200 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. It's like over a thousand bucks. I forgot what it was. I didn't go because I hated my school so much. Oh my God. But, but if you went to college for the college experience, not to make <laughs> money, not to have a career, once you hand in, your rented cap and gown, 
They should give you a pistol and just blow your fucking <laughs> brains out. Okay. Cause that's it. It's, it's, it's over. You did. Everything was great. It's all downhill. Why suffer the bad years? You know, why be <laughs> mentally, emotionally, and financially I, crippled? I will say, yeah. if you look at the mental health statistics in the country, mm-hmm. you would have to agree. I mean, I, I would say if, if depression, divorce, all these things are so rampant in a, in a cultured, high GDP country mm-hmm. where a lot of college-educated people, doesn't lead to satisfaction. Well, we've unfortunately that's, that's the seen- the dark version of saying what you just said. Right, but again- Again, they need a new paradigm. All we've given yeah, them is do. go to college. You did it. They don't have anything else. There's nothing else. And then it's like you don't teach people about family. You don't pe- teach people about love. You don't teach people about camaraderie. You don't teach people no. about entrepreneurship and production and innovation and history and and uh, patriotism within your country. Those are all shunned, if anything, uh, by today's standards. And so when you graduate from college or high school, what's left? There's no agency or purpose. Say, There's no I reason. One of the reasons why there's this opioid opioid, bleh, opioid thing happening mm-hmm. so much more is that this is a spiritual crisis. This is an internal crisis. It goes beyond – and people are not – it's a very hollow culture, mm-hmm. you know, and I've done a lot of internal exploration because I was I was at that point when I was 20. I had major problems um, – you know, I, I was physically ill. I had, um, you know, I uh, was depressed and all sorts of stuff, which which pushed me into a more spiritual path. But culturally, it's like, yeah, what do you got? And then it's funny, too, because a, a lot of my students, I see them on this path where I'm going to do a, cor- a course where I kind of address some of the deeper things in life, because all you have at that point, the people who do get out of it, some of my students, they get into money. Mm-hmm. And I've been obsessed with money my whole life. Most of us are. But once you start to have some success in that area where you weren't, then you realize, well, this isn't fulfilling either, really. Right. Um, it puts food on the table, but doesn't feed the soul. Right. No. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but within the paradigm of college, it's just, you're just so far behind. And that's why the book's called Skip College for Success. Right. And I will say that in the book, I do expand on the entrepreneurial thing because I have a chapter called, it is less risky to start your own business than to get a degree. Absolutely. Because financially, mentally, um, there are courses and online businesses that can be started for a fraction of the cost of one class of college. Um, And most people aren't aren't aware that they still think that, you know, I talk about this, all the misconceptions about business, (laughs) because business is like, seems like this mysterious thing that only like big, you know, oh, Elon MBAs Martin, can only handle. Right. Yeah. And MBAs. And I've met just as many MBAs who are, <laughs> you know, just as clueless, but, um, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it is, it is how it is. And I made the book. Uh, I like your talk, how you're talking about paradigm because I want to focus on the future. I want to focus on what is possible and less focus. I didn't even want to include the first chapter, which is about all the reasons why college is a mistake because you can get stuck in that. Mm-hmm. I basically was like, if you're going to read this book, you're already thinking about it. And now this is kind of like, um, you know, how to do it. And I want to focus on that. I want to focus on what would be possible. Like what if people just stop going to college? Suddenly the student debt issue would be dead. There'd be no more student debt. People would have, you'd have 10%, well, not 10. You'd have five to six extra percent GDP per year to spend right. on, you want to talk about a boom to the economy uh, with, with no lowering. Actually, kids could probably go straight to work right now um, 
Uh, yeah, no, there, there'd be an economic boom. It would be great. It would be wonderful. Yes. It would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And it also, um, as you said, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, the pressure, the, the point of my book, the, the real, the real, my goal for just, even if it just reaches it, I always write a book for one person in my mind when I'm writing it. I don't try to think too much about like millions. I do that too. That's funny. I always write my books for Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I always write it for her, a redheaded one. Yeah. So, okay. But go on. All right. Yeah. But, there's the kid who's about to ruin his life with the loans. And, but the other thing is they're in high school. Right. And I remember high school and I remember the pressure if oh, you're in a good high school. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I, I go through the process of de deconstructing why, why you're on this conveyor belt to bullshit, to nowhere. If you, if you at age 15 realize that the ultimate goal is this degree that doesn't mean anything. You understand it's not going to get you a better life, that you can get all these jobs without a degree, all those things. And it's a complete waste of your time. Then retroactively looking back, suddenly you can just chill the fuck out when you're in high school. You can, you don't have to worry about those fucking SATs. I tell my students, I say, look, graduate high school. You should get your high school degree, but you can get a high school degree with D's and C's and B's. You don't need to get a GED, but you don't need an A. You don't need to be, you know, uh, pressuring yourself. And it's written for those kids. Those the thing that gets me is I want to reach those kids who are like me and my friends who are really smart, who are going to go to college because they think that's the right move. It's like, dude, if you took all your mental energy and intelligence at age 16 and instead of wasting your time on these ridiculous SAT questions and these AP courses about nonsense and your college applications and going to the college interview and getting on your knees like a casting couch and saying, please accept me into your program. If you took all that energy and first off, just chilled out for like six months and we're just like, okay, I'm young. I can relax and enjoy. And then you just start learning shit on your own. And I teach them. I was like, dude, you can learn American history. You can learn world history. You can learn science and biology to the point that you need. One of the things I talk about in high school is that, I have this, I have this hydrochloric acid stain on my arm. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, you got grainy pictures, so yeah, I believe it. I got this in chemistry class seven when I was seventeen, and I'm sitting here thinking we were mixing like hydrochloric acid and shit. I'm in a lab coat with glass. Like, what the fuck was I doing wearing a lab coat? <laughs> if, if you and me at age forty one were like, hey dude, let's go to the lab. We're gonna mix. Yeah, let's go to the lab. Yeah, after some drinks, let's go to the what? lab. Right. Yeah. What is the point of teaching a 17-year-old to mix fucking chemicals unless you know this kid is, oh, this kid's going to go on to medical school. They need to know organic chemistry. It's like 2% of the population. And we're all there mixing chemicals. This is wasted time. This is wasted mental space. You could be filling that space with, with, with information about life, about business, <laughs> about Skill. Yeah. yeah, I know. I need. I'm actually uh, waiting on my first um, paperback copy of my book. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm excited for that. Um, but listen, man. I actually. I need to run because I have. Um, I have to drive to the uh, to the Bay Area, which is gonna be well, fun. have fun. <laughs> but, Look out uh, for feces. I know. I went. Whenever I go to Berkeley, which I have to do from time to time. It is a palpably different vibe than other places, but yes, that's a whole is. other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but yeah, well, so, yeah. Where, can, where can people find it on Amazon? I presume paperback it's on or audio. Um, I'm having the audiobook uh, recorded right now. Okay, and but, it is uh, on Amazon. I'm sorry, I interrupted there. Yeah, yeah. Skip College for Success. Funny enough, um, I have a connection who works at a. <laughs> I have a connection who 
I don't give the whole story, but he he did an essay for a book called Skip College that just came out as well. There's okay. another book called Skip College, which is a series of essays by educators and professionals explaining. It's not like my book. It's not a step-by-step guide. But if you search it on Amazon, you might see two books that say, say Skip College. Mine is called Skip College for Success. It has the cartoon kids on it. Yeah, the cartoon yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, I have nothing against the other book. I think it's kind of cool that there's multiple books with the same topic coming out. And the guy uh, is kind of like, um, kind of like, a, I think a libertarian or kind of right. He teaches, he writes children's books actually about like, um, I think you'd like them. They're kind of more, they're definitely not left-wing books. Okay. They're about uh, capitalism and why socialism is bad and things like that. And they're Bobby little kids. starts a lemonade stand or something like that. That's actually what the book is called. It's like the, the lemonades. That's one of his books. Oh, okay. Yeah. His name's Connor. I forgot his last name, but I think he's Mormon. He's it's it's he's he's very political. So he's been doing this for a long time too. So it wasn't like I thought maybe somebody ripped off my book, but no, it happens. It happens. happens That that happens at times. So and as long as you guys don't fight about it, it's all right. No, no, no. I think we're we're allies. You know. Um. But yeah, man. Uh. Cool. So yeah, I'll be hustling the book. Um. Ongoingly. So let's uh, let's stay in touch, and you know maybe. Absolutely. We got, you know what we, I'm going to send this to uh, Brett over at the school sucks project. He'll probably get a kick out of the conversation. Okay. Yeah. I actually just reached out to him. We play words with friends. So cool. That's wonderful. So, all right, well, Seth, thanks for coming on the show. And then yeah, anytime you just let us know you're welcome. And then uh, I'll probably see you out West uh, coming up fall or winter time. All right. Sounds good, man. All, all right. right see, see you. Seth. That is Seth Himes. You can go to his website in If you're looking to do some digital marketing, um, and just avoid college, but yeah, that book, it is, um, I've known that's been coming out for quite some time. And, uh, yeah, the trick is <clears throat> if any of you know how to get this into the hands and the brains, that's one, you can always put a book in the hands of a kid, but it's another thing to get them to actually do it. Um, holy shit. Maybe we should do super chats, huh? Make sure that those haven't gone haywire. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> This would be all right. Oh, is there no super chats? Oh, there's, yeah, there they are. Uh, Google with all of its delayed. Yeah, there's bacon. There's everybody. All right, hang on, guys. Hang on. You know how YouTube likes to make this difficult. Uh, come on, come on, come on. Atham for $2. Aaron equals Chaparito. Seth equals Chaparito, too. <laughs> Hey, hey, Atham, what's Jewish Chaparito, huh? He's Jew. I'm quarter Jew. What, what's uh, Chaparito de Judeo? What, what's uh, what's the Jewish Chaparito? I'm kind of curious. <clears throat> bacon. There's bacon. Bacon of the goddamn bacon.com. If you guys are looking for a new podcast to tune in, check out Bacon Maldito at the goddamn bacon. Uh, Seth, what's an easy business idea to get to girls? <laughs> and there's old Nick Schulander, a uh, a student of um, uh, uh, Seth Himes. Nick uh, took Seth Himes uh, indemandcareer.com, learned how to be a digital marketer, and uh, worked for me a little bit there to promote the book. What was it? What were we promoting? Was it? It was Reconnaissance Man. Speaking of book and reason, if you don't want to go to college, get Reconnaissance Man for the high school kid in your life. I feel kind of pedophile when it's all these old 40-year-olds trying to get teenagers like, listen, this kid, listen to me. No, you're a creepy old man in a in a van trying to get me to buy books. I don't want you to buy your books. 
Bake Maldito for another 223. Philosophy never deters the inertia of tradition. <clears throat> I'm kind of hoping that's true because most philosophy, there's no philosophy anymore. All the philosophy I had, an, uh, someone sent me an, a chart showing the percentage of different majors that believe or view favorably socialism versus capitalism. And philosophy majors like are 60% pro-socialism. And the problem is that's not philosophy. That's just what philosophy is today is predominantly excusing and coming up with rationalizations to steal other people's money, euphemistically calling it an ism, be it feminism, socialism, communism, democratic socialists. We all voted to have everything taken away from the private sector, give it to the public sector. So it's all, we're all equal now. It's good. Um, and tradition uh, with its flaws and its, and its shortcomings is usually the culmination of eons of years worth of wisdom in different cultures. And I don't, okay, I don't understand why the Greeks dance in their funny dresses. I mean, the men and they do the curtsy. It's kind of like square dancing, but it's Mediterranean. Is that really a, you know, is that form of tradition eons of Greek wisdom and tradition? Not really. It's tradition. It's more, uh, what would you call it? Fun. Uh, what's the word? It's more of a it's ceremonial, uh, but traditional wisdom by today's standard, that, that just beats any modern day philosopher. Well, there's a picture of Noam Chomsky with the quote about he's praising Hugo Chavez. He's posing with Hugo Chavez. Fuck you, Noam. You're just a lazy fuck. Got to remember having his dick shoved in my face all the time in the 90s. And oh, Noam Chomsky, he's just such a such an intelligent man. He's such a great philosopher. Yeah, I know. how he endorsed like, you know, women being in, in desperate prostitution in Venezuela, poverty and people eating their pets. Only a truly pampered, weak person who's never actually had to work for a living, Bernie Sanders, can come up with something like that. So I don't think there is, I don't think philosophy is alive anymore but philosophy never deters the inertia of tradition it is now we're taking away common sense that was was empirically proven through trial and error over thousands of years of not just western civilization but all civilizations it's kind of amazing to me that all the major philosophy religions kind of come up with the same 10 commandments almost as if there's a consistency there same thing with gold it's kind of wow you know the aztecs like gold and the Europeans like gold. They really like gold. <laughs> Just ask the Aztecs. Uh, but I, I, I wonder why that was. Maybe there was something fundamental about gold. I don't know. Oh, fuck it. <clears throat> Cappy may be able to get out of here. Z-U-G-H-H-H-F-G-G-J for two Canadian dollars. Any ideal training ground for entrepreneurs? Um. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't make money on it anymore, take my class, the analysis and valuation of stocks. If you can still find it and learn how to read and compile income statements and then go to YouTube and search, how do I set up an LLC? And then learn about anonymous LLCs, which you can do in Nevada, New Mexico, and Wyoming, I believe. And that's about it. There's nothing more to entrepreneurship, guys. Don't don't overthink it. A lot of it's like women to you all overthink women. It's like, no, be in shape, be tall. Maybe drop hints, make it look like you have money. There's cheap ways of doing that. 
and then be charming and then be prepared to get shot down. <clears throat> That's it. That's women. Entrepreneurship is come up with a good idea, learn to do accounting, maybe some MIS, have a MIS, have a website. And there you go. El Judea Chaparito. That's from Bacon Maldito. But is that what it is? Bacon, you're 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 a bit of everything. Aren't you part Mexican as well? Or Latino? And have you cut off that quarter white part of you? You can't be walking around with that quarter white part, Bacon. You can't be doing that. Oh, hang on, hang on. Where are we going here? I had an article. <clears throat> Not germane to most of you guys. Um, From the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal, this is our local newspaper here. The last Perkins restaurant in Minneapolis closes its doors. And most of you guys don't know what Perkins is. I guess uh, I was kind of shocked how many people who came out of state. Well, what's Perkins? I'm like, how do you know what Perkins? Perkins is the restaurant. Let me tell you about Perkins. Many years ago, when Cappy was in college, I remember going to this Perkins back in college, <clears throat> getting a Diet Coke. Uh, that's where all the kids at Perkins stay. It's a like a Baker Square. It stays open 24 hours. And you get just some home food. So it was always a luxury to me. Like McDonald's was still a luxury, but Perkins, holy cow. $8 for a sandwich? And then the rich kids, the kids who just didn't give a damn about their finances would go there and they'd have coffee late at night, even though no one really liked coffee at that age, but they thought it was intellectual and, and that's what they did. So late at night, people would go to Perkins. And that's where it's where people go after bars close and where sometimes fights break out. And uh, Perkins went through some financial troubles and went through section eight, but I like Perkins because not only do I still view it as like this luxury treat, everybody else hates it. People are like, you know, friends like, what are you doing? I'm like, let's go to Perkins. Like, Oh, Perkins. Oh, but shows you how pampered and spoiled people have become. Like what is wrong with Perkins? I remember one gal, um, Related is Devani's. Devani's is like a, a step above uh, uh, Subway in terms of sub sandwich shop is what Devani's is. And I remember, oh, I can't, Devani's, that was pretty pricey. And a girl I was dating, she's like, well, let's go to Devani's. And I literally, I said, I can't afford Devani's. She's like, you can't afford Devani's. And this was the rich bitch from the private gated community whose parents were cumulative billionaires. It's like, yeah, I can't, and, and that she didn't like that. And Perkins was kind of on the on the same level, uh, where it's like, oh, Perkins. But everybody has become real snooty now. No one goes to the Perkins no more. No one goes to Devani. Oh no, that's lowbrow. That's oh, oh, what's oh, gross. Perk and Perkins has got great tasting food. I'm sure it's full of MSG and other chemicals. I don't care. It's heavenly. They got huge pie. They got, oh, it's absolutely horrible for your diet, but oh, it's wonderful. And so I still have that attachment like, oh, this is a treat. Even though I could afford to eat there three times a day for the rest of my life. Uh, but no, everyone roundly dismisses me and votes me out. They veto me when I say, let's go to Perkins. No one wants to go to Perkins. So the last one in Minneapolis is closing. Uh, the Perkins restaurant and bakery in the Seward neighborhood is permanently closed. <clears throat> It was the last Perkins of Minneapolis proper, though there are still several remaining in the suburbs and St. Paul. The restaurant was located at 901 27th Avenue and frequented by college students for brunch and late night meals. It closed on Sunday for a variety of reasons, KSTP reports. 
We look forward to having the opportunity to serve those who patronize the Riverside restaurant at any of the dozen or so other Perkins restaurants in the area where many of the Riverside team members have been offered accepted positions. Perkins spokesman Vivian Brooks wrote an email to the Business Journal. Now, Perkins does have its financial troubles, or it did. It did come out of bankruptcy. Uh, it may still have some of its financial troubles. But isn't it interesting that St. Paul, which pretty much has the exact same demographics as Minneapolis, and the suburbs have it, they still have the Perkins. So why did this Perkins close? And uh, there's other re there's reasons. Uh, that neighborhood is, I don't think it's really changed all that much. It's always been, it's been kind of near little Mogadishu. It's kind of near the parkway. It's kind of, kind of, kind of. It's a mix. It's a mix. Uh, but I looked up because I know Minneapolis passed the $15 an hour minimum wage bill, <clears throat> I think a year or two ago. And it, it, again, remember, leftists always like to get the tip of their dick into your asshole before they get the whole shaft up there. And they're going to ease the uh, minimum wage into it. Well, They've been not really easing it because I looked at the at the rate it goes. It's basically a buck a year. So now as July, I think it was July of 2019, it had to go up to 1275 or maybe it was 1375. Hmm. And then Perkins closes. I I'm not saying it's the primary cause. There could be other reasons. But if all of a sudden you gotta pay your minimum wage staff, then where did they go? They went to the suburbs, which is where. Uh, you know, they call it white flight. That's a misnomer. It's okay, yeah, disproportionately white flight. What it really is should be called is called capital flight. That's what it really should be called. It's called capital flight. Because not just white people want to get out of the ghetto and the crime-ridden city. Everybody wants to get out of the city, if you at least have self-respect. And so it's people with skill and talent and their capital, be it their intellectual capital, their work ethic, their hard work, you know, their working, not working capital in the accounting sense, but they work, they have a work ethic, their brain. This is also called brain drain. Um, this is a problem a lot of second and third world countries face because they're so corrupt that their best and brightest leave and they go to <clears throat> the EU or the United States and we get, we do benefit from that. That's true. Um, I'm just going to say maybe it's because you, your minimum wage loss. And now a bunch of people aren't employed or they moved out to the sub. That's fine. That's fine. Minneapolis, you keep on going. Uh, they wanted to pass a law. No, they did pass a law, an ordinance where no more single family homes can be built. It's all going to be apartments, I think. Uh, they just have these laws where they, they know so much better, guys. They know so much better because they went to school for city planning and Marxist philosophy and interpretations. They know so much, but none of them worked a day in life. None of them built a bridge, but they know so much better because of studies. Studies show that we be, be, should be paid more to go and bribe people to vote for us with other people's monies. That's what the studies show. And that's all they got. And now Minneapolis is turning into a shithole. I was talking to a bunch of people in part because we're older now. We don't go to the city anymore, but I don't know anyone that goes to the city. Why would you go to the city? There's traffic. You can, you, there was a time, there was a time I caught the tail end of it. When I got here in 93, you could drive across the twin cities Metro, even with rush hour traffic and rarely run into a slowdown. The, the roads were in that good a condition, weren't that many people. Now you can't do that. You cannot do that. It's not as bad as Chicago, nowhere near as bad as Seattle, 
but it's not acceptable. It is no longer acceptable. And when presented with you going downtown was no big deal. Like, yeah, let's go downtown. Let's check it out. <clears throat> there are venues to check out. Now it's like, they don't want you to come downtown. You, you, you could go downtown and park for free, both Minneapolis and St. Paul. I even remember the time during working hours, there's a place you could park for free in St. Paul there. You just park your car there and the cops would leave you alone. Nope. Even on Sunday at 3 a.m., you have to pay for parking. And, and good luck getting downtown because now half the roads are sectioned off for bike paths or bike lanes. I mean, that's if you get downtown because of all the traffic. And then I know why you'd go downtown because there's nothing there. I, I think First Avenue is about the last thing that remains anymore. Nicollet Mall is has been gutted. There's no more Dayton's. There's no more Gavaday Commons. I think Brit's pub is the pub is there, but I'm fresh out of manufactured AstroTurf dude, bro. Although I'm wondering if Brit's pub would even stay in business anymore. I hope maybe they do a brisk lunch. Because I remember the guys who would take their sweaters and tie it around their necks. Those guys, that's the type that would go to Brit's pub. But it's been a while since, you know, frat movies came out in the 1980s. I don't see uh, hipsters and millennials and people with tattoos going there much. Uh, but yeah, Perkins, the last Perkins is closed down. And I have been to that Perkins several times. I didn't live too far away from there. Did not live too far away from there. Uh, <clears throat> Darius Thurman, $5. Thanks, Darius. Why are the most successful business people on the left? Aside from Peter Thiel, I don't know many uber successful tech entrepreneurs. Ironic. Um, It, it depends. I mean, you're focusing on tech, but keep in mind, most of the tech people went to college. And in college, these nerdy guys thought if I just look at <clears throat> Jeff Bezos, perfect example, nerd, square, male feminist. If I just do what the women's tell me and vote left and say the right things, then I will get the vagina. And so I think that never escapes them, especially in Silicon Valley, especially in tech. I think going through college, um, that's where they have it soldered into their brain that socialism is great. But then an ironic sense is they're studying what is on the evolutionary edge of the economy. They end up starting great companies. They end up starting, you know, uh, Apple or uh, you know, Amazon or, you know, any one of the, the number of uh, dot coms and tech companies that are out there today. And <clears throat> even though they're forking over 50% of their income uh, to the government, I, they just never make that connection. There's, it's very odd. I've seen a lot of engineers where it's like, doesn't it bother you that half your fucking money is being taken away and you busted your ass off? It doesn't seem to bother them. And I speculate in part it's because they want to say that they're Democrats. So then maybe they get some pussy. I, I really don't know. Um, also let's not discount that today's modern marketing trend, the mo modern corporate trend is corporate virtue signaling whether they actually believe what they're saying or not doesn't matter they use that to market to millennials uh, i mean yeah let's slap organic a sticker on it it's not organic bob who gives a shit the millennials will buy it they're dumb <clears throat> it's organic we're organic it's non-gmo it's gluten-free we're just so good we're such nice people yeah i'm charging extra three bucks for it okay here we go Oh, yeah, we're all for whatever socialist cause you had. The women, is that it? Is it this? Oh, no, it's Gay Pride Week. All right, we're for the gays today. 
Uh, don't worry, next week will be for women in space. And next week, it'll be Black History Month. And the week after that, it'll be disability. Whatever, whatever you want. As long as you give us your money, we'll tell you what you want to hear. Here you go. Um, so that's, that is a, a big play of it now, but that's not necessarily the entrepreneurs the people that started the business. Um, a lot of people inherit businesses and then to rise, you know, are you talking the entrepreneurs, the people who started and owned the businesses like the Bill Gates of the world? Are you talking people who make it to CEO and CFO and COO like a Sheryl Sandberg? Those people are simply conformists. They will take their shapeshifters. They'll take whatever mold uh, the market demands of them. And since the market now is like, we got to promote corporate virtues and look how environmental we are. We're all me too, whatever, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> they'll say, yeah, we're that, we're that. We are all for the socialists. And above all, there's the conformist mentality. To be successful in business, you do, they are looking for conformists, not performance. Okay, they want conformance, not performance. And I always saw this working in finance where you could be right, you could be ex excellent, you could be stellar. Nope, they wanted you to conform, not perform. And uh, that's squarely on baby boomer and Gen X. That is squarely on that. The people who get ahead conform. Uh, people in large corporate entities like people who obey. Forget whether it's right or wrong or it's going to lead to the demise of the corporation. They like people who agree and obey. And um, anyone who worked in corporate America can see that. Charles Mack, the resident IT genius. I'd love to stay in chat, but work calls. Hey, guys. Hey, there, Charlie. Uh, IS Nows or I Snows. Hey, Cappy Howie. How we do? <laughs> how do I make the money? Well, first you send me a long, dragged out email request at assholeconsulting.com, going over every possible thought you've ever had for a business, and then your thoughts about each thought, so that I have an eighteen-page document in front of me. <clears throat> then at the end, ask, so what do you think I should do for a business? And then after Cappy goes outside and punches trees uh, because otherwise he'd start murdering people. He will charge you an egregious sum to repeat his advice that he always gives. And that is, if you have to ask that question, then you are not going to make the monies or be the entrepreneurs. Bacon Maldito for $2.23. You're going to watch Top Gun 2. <clears throat> Tom Cruise needs more money. I, I'm not, no. I'm I'm kind of done with remakes. Um, I, I I know a lot of people don't like Tom Cruise because of his um, cult religion that he belongs to, but Tom Cruise uh, I actually respect a lot in, in several capacities. Uh, he was not he look at a clarity test on Tom Cruise. He was not brought up rich. Um, he he worked his ass off. Uh, he is a good actor. I mean, I mean maybe not the best, but he can act. But then the other thing is he is an entrepreneur. Um, he has brought billions of dollars worth of movies to you guys <clears throat> uh, having his own. So I think he did Day After Tomorrow. He's done Mission Impossible series. Some good, some bad. Um, what else? Did he do Night and Day? Tom Cruise is not some guy sitting on his ass. 
he does make good movies. He has been a very good entertainer, both in terms of an actor and a movie producer, um, that the man's employed thousands of people, produced billions of worth of GDP. Um, and from everything I've seen, okay, he's a little goofy, a little weird, but uh, seems to be a nice guy. And maybe he isn't uh, quite as arrogant and cocky as a lot of people would presume. But <clears throat> that being said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not seeing Top Gun 2. I'm not. Um, I I don't have the time or the patience anymore. To uh, Hollywood is a, a lot of it was, uh, the uh, what was it? Not John Wick three, which was marginal. Guardians of the Galaxy, how that just shit the bed. Uh, the politics. I didn't even see Captain uh, Flatass, Captain Marvel. Uh, she made it so I would not go see uh, Endgame. Um, Toy Story 4 was eh. And um, what is the... Oh, and now we're going to have a black female. Now just fuck you. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with all the movies. I used to do movie reviews, you know, and I, okay, I'll do the review of the movie. And um, it's not enjoyable going to movies anymore. It just isn't. A lot of it, maybe I'm just getting older. Yeah, you know, I got to listen to more intellectual things. I listen to history podcasts. I listen to video game. Po- I'll listen to people talk about video games. I'll listen to talk to people talk about the movies, like name of the world class bullshitters. But I'm not going to go see these movies. I, there's just there's not there's not there's not good movies anymore. Last movie that I was like, oh my god, this is totally worth seeing was probably John Wick Two. Um, before that, Infinity War was really good. I think it was a great movie. But what, we're talking one great movie a year? How many movies are released every year? A hundred? Two hundred? Including the shit B movies no one hears about? Or that movie, or maybe it was a, no, it was a play. It was a play about Rosa Parks, but she comes back as three separate cyborg robots in the future. And the cyborg robot women talk about sexism and racism and all, because I know that's what I want to spend my life on. So, no, I will not be watching uh, Top Gun 2 there, Bacon. I'm going to be tuning in to the goddamn bacon. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be turning into the goddamnbacon.com instead of seeing Top Gun 2. You can hear Bacon talk about his days and all that. Um, let me do I haven't done the League of X. Speaking of podcasters, I haven't done the League of Extraordinary Podcasters in a while. <clears throat> Podcasts you can listen to, 405media.com. Financial Survival Network with Kerry Lutz. He's uh, good on currencies and financial crisis and inflation silvio contos conto talk c-a-n-t-o frank survey oh i gotta download frank's podcast franksurvey.com uh spelled c-e-r-v-i o'shea jackson over on youtube economic invincibility tjmartinell.com if you want to see what the world looks like through the eyes of a 12 year old boy you know he's he's even younger than um eric fuentes or nick fuentes and um Ben Shapiro, he, he's even young. He's just, he's just a wunder kid, you know, fresh out of sixth grade. He's going into seventh grade this year. Kid's real smart. He's very good on the 10th Amendment. Uh, world-class bullshitters. Uh, our good friend up north, entrepreneurs in cars, Rich Cooper. Um, Terrence Pop. You guys all know Terrence Pop. Bad Pop over at YouTube.com. Podcast.michaelkingswood.com slash RSS. Although RSS feeds aren't working anymore on modern browsers. I don't know what happened. But you can go to his other site, noncommunistsciencefiction.com, and check him out. 
Dr. David Perodin over at safety. He is the safety doc at safetyphd.com. And then, um, damn it, who else was there I want to talk about? Oh, uh, the School Sucks Project. I'm going to add that. Brett's a good guy. I liked, I enjoyed that. I'm also putting this down on my advertising list so I can go listen to them later. And even though I don't, we don't really do sponsors or podcasts on the older brother <clears throat> podcast. I just want to mention because I haven't mentioned these people in a while. And then uh, Alaska Chaga, if you guys are looking for something that is not coffee, does not have the caffeine, but has the health qualities of coffee and more, consider getting Chaga. We say, what's Chaga? Chaga is a mushroom. This is from Alaska. You go to alaskachaga.us and it's grounded up. It basically serves as a tea or a coffee. So you can have that. And uh, he runs it, uh, his family in Alaska. The money does go to conservative causes themselves. That's the best conservative cause in the world. Yourself. I support me because you don't support you because you're a parasitic fuck. He's not a parasitic fuck. And then Cafe Rachise, that's how it sounds, but it's spelled Cafe Richese, which I like better. Cafe Rich S-A, E-S-S-E. You can go there. And get your coffee, the official coffee sponsor of Cappy. Um, what else was I going to do? Oh, good little news. Uh, I had a very entrepreneurial guy called Simon contact me. And uh, he said, um, hey, I've translated your book to, to French. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? He says, well, I want to know if you want to publish it in French. I'm like, well, okay, I guess. And I'm like, well, what do, you, what do you want? He's like, well, I want some royalties or a payment. I'm like, I don't like doing royalties. and Not, not because people don't earn royalties. I'm, I have no problem paying the present value of the future cash flows of the, of the would-be royalties. It's the pain in the ass of cutting a check every fucking month. That's what is the pain is. So if any of you ever do like some kind of editing work or you ever do some audio work, I pay cash up front. I don't do the royalties. It's not because I don't like royalties. It's I don't like cutting a check every month. It's a pain in the ass. Like here's your money. I'm done. And I, fee I see in the future, like if I had multiple people working on multiple books, now I need a goddamn spreadsheet and I got to oh, who do I, who do I add? It's like, no, here's your fucking money. It's not worth my future labor and the time anymore to figure out who gets what money out every month. Um, but I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I bought the transcript and then I had it looked at with another buddy of mine who's French speaking and it looked good. And so we uploaded it and now you can get the curse of the high IQ in French. Now, most of you speak English and those of you who are listening, if you do speak English, you probably have already bought it if you're going to buy it, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. It was kind of neat. I'm like, oh, you got a book in French and it's Les Maldictions de l'Intelligence. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. La, la maldiction, maldiction, de le, and there's an apostrophe, intelligence. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Still, if you happen to know anybody in France or who is French speaking, and it might benefit them, contact them about it. I'm going to be doing my own marketing and all that. But, um, and I don't even, it, it's, it's approved on Amazon. Like I have the link to it, but if you search it, it doesn't show up yet because it literally just got published yesterday. No, it was two days ago, and then the Kindle book got published yesterday. But I think it takes 72 hours to actually show up on the website. Um, so, yeah, maybe Cappy will go international here. And then that way, like those frauds and posers who are like, New York Times, international best-selling author. That pisses me off. Every time I see one of these faux authors, 
international best-selling author. I look, it's like, dude, okay, you have a quarter of the sales I do. I'm not a best-selling author. The fuck if you are an international, what? Because you sold one copy over in Morocco? That doesn't make you internet. I guess it does in a technical sense, but um, no, we'll have it translated into French. And then maybe, maybe down the road, other books will get translated into other languages if this marketing opens up. Because I'll tell you this, it's a hell of a lot easier to translate a book than it is to write a whole goddamn new one. If I can get a whole new markets, I may just do translations. And then uh, be on my merry way to the golf course in the sky. All right. <clears throat> Bacon Maldito for 223. Bob ate shekels to Bob ate shekels. Bob ate shekels to supplement your Poke Bowl fund. Awesome. I may get Poke Bowl. I may go get that. And just in $5 from I Snows. Hey, Cappy, your books are so interesting that I actually look forward to my time on the toilet. <laughs> I actually eat extra fiber. I actually eat extra fiber for your sake. Uh, thank you, Ice Snows. Thank you very much. I actually, what I am going to do is I'm going to get a new driver. And I may, hang on, let's take a look at Craigslist. I've had good luck getting drivers on Craigslist, through golf bags and golf clubs in general on Craigslist. Um, golf driver, but when I go to play it against sports, um, I get these shit drivers. Yeah, they're pretty pricey. So I, not to sound arrogant, but I do like, um, the titanium clubs, but they get pricey quickly. Yeah. So they got, they got uh aluminum and composite clubs <clears throat> which predate the titanium ones and yeah these are oh god even for a crappy one it's like 45 dollars i want to drive out to Oconia, other side of town so i'm gonna probably go to a second wind but that's the thing is you gotta you gotta drive with them you gotta hit the ball to see oh does this work or not so you gotta kind of test them and it's super hot outside and humid here in the Twin Cities. Um, so I really don't want to go outside because my car doesn't have air conditioning. Aaron, how cheap is he? You all think it's wonderful. And these are the times where I regret my frugality, where it's 98 degrees and humidity of 77%, and there's no air conditioning in my truck. Because, hey, I saved some money. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, if you would kindly take a look at my books. Reconnaissance Man, Black Man's Got Out of Poverty, Bachelor Pad Economics, Worthless, The Young Person's Indispensable Guide to Choosing the Right Major, Enjoy the Decline, Curse of the High IQ, Orange Friends, La Medicion de l'Intelligence, <laughs> and uh, Poor Richard's Retirement. All of those are available on paperback, Kindle, and audiobook, except for Black Man's Got Out of Poverty. That's paperback at Kindle. And if you've already bought them, please review them online. I would appreciate it very much. There's also the best of Cappy books where I have the best of Captain Capitalism. I took my best posts from my blog and I just compi uh, compile and consolidate them because you never know when when WordPress or the Googles is going to say, we don't like your speech anymore, telling people to advocate for lower taxes and that women should be equal to men in terms of effort, closing the effort gap. I want to close the effort gap, but totally do. Uh, you could buy the best of, and those go by Captain Capitalism Top Shelf, Captain Capitalism Reserved, 
and Captain Capitalism. No, no, not Captain Capitalism. Uh, Love Letters to the Left. Find those all on Amazon, paperback, at Kindle. Adam Piggott's book, Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. Check out Adam Piggott at pushingrubberdownhill.com. You can download his podcast, but you have to be logged in to Facebook to do it because he doesn't know that when you upload your videos, you have to go into permissions and enable direct download on all of his tracks. So hopefully Piggott is listening and he will log in to his SoundCloud account and go through each cl- uh, track and enable direct downloads. Now we're, we're getting him up. He's old. He's old. You know, he, he first learned that you convert files into MP3, so he made that jump. And now we just got to make it so that instead of me having to log in, I could just right-click and download the MP3 file. So you can find him pushingrubberdownhill.com. Um, when, oh yeah. And if you want to help out, blah, 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 olderbrother.com slash donate. There's PayPal. You don't get anything. Patreon, you get access to the material behind the paywall, which includes pinups of our well-endowed lovely lady, Mary Jo. She likes to help out you guys by showing herself in pinup boudoir types of pinup poses. So take a look there. And if you'd like to become a patron member, that's basically the best selling point that you get. Um, there's this article that's really brilliant and awesome and will make you be appreciative of life and make you happy in life. But when it comes to hot Latina tits or happiness in life, I know you guys are going to choose the hot Latina tits. So there you go. And then maybe if you're really, really bored, you could read my awesome article that I wrote. And then if you really want to help out and it's not going to cost you anything, do all your shopping through my Amazon affiliate program. Go to olderbrother.com slash donate. There's the third and final link below PayPal and Patreon. And that is the Amazon link. You click on that. Buy shit, whatever you buy during that shopping session. I make a six to seven percent commission and cut. Doesn't cost you anything more. That way, you're getting what you're going to get anyway. It doesn't cost you anything extra. You help out old Capmeister get himself a new shitty club from Goodwill, and uh, everybody's happy. Um, all right, final super chats. One more. Oh, Murray, Murray Salcedo. Operation Evil request. Is Obama the second coming? No, he's not the second coming. The second, there's no second coming. Dude, you think the devil would want to interrupt? Oh, the second coming of Christ. Or second coming of the devil. Second coming of Christ. Christ ain't coming. Get the three heads, guys. He ain't coming. (laughs) He's not coming. No one's coming to save you. Great quote from somebody whose name I forget. All right, that's it. See you guys later. Toodles.